to get my back up through. I'm glad that I recorded that little like outburst from you. So at least that's our preamble is you just screaming at me because I told you to do like the most simple thing possible, which is just like, Hey man, can you back up your audio? Cause sometimes things go wrong when we record these podcasts and like, yeah. And so far there has been no problem with me uploading things. So, you know, knock like, on fucking wood boy. Like I'm yeah. telling you, could we say shit like that? Yeah. And like, this is when things go wrong. You know, that's true. It's very so true. That's, that's All right. true. I guess I'm hosting today, right? That's the yeah, thing that's it looks happening. Like it. All right. So uh, good morning and good evening and all times of the day, podcasters. Hello. Welcome to Dance Robot Dance, episode 168. Wow. Wow. That's a pretty high number, 168. Coming up on, uh, we're going to start making plans for number 200 probably pretty soon. We're going to yeah. do something. I don't know what to do because like nobody listens to the podcast, but like we've done 200 episodes, which is insanity i guess i guess yeah. it's kind of like because we're just doing the same thing right over and over again mm-hmm. <laughs> <You expect> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah seriously uh, yeah so this is a podcast where we discuss all things geeky nerdy ooky spooky because it is october and it's time for halloween i don't care how early in october it is it's time for halloween so like it's it's our birthday month so on top of that we get to be like hey fuck you guys it's halloween time and we get to like just because we're gonna get drilled with fucking christmas shit starting like november 1st so like yeah. You may as well enjoy the spooky one. You know what I mean? Like enjoy yeah. the good holiday. The good holiday, exactly. Yeah, before the boring holiday comes along and like just crushes my soul for two months or whatever. Ugh, so. Yeah, to cause anxiety over like purchasing gifts and yeah, Halloween music is also way better. Like you have an excuse to listen to like gothy new wave. Like I've been listening yeah, to so much Bauhaus lately. I was just like... gonna say, like I had Bauhaus on this like this week too. Yeah, absolutely. Bella Lugosi's dead baby. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I was like listening to the Cure and shit. I was like, oh, yeah. I got some Cure rocking this week. I'm like, still got my Tool going. Obviously, Tool's still in the house, but like you know, it's, it's now it's seasonally appropriate because it's spooky time so tool is appropriate yeah so here we go and i wanted to shout out the uh church's cover of bella lugosi's dead from the terrible film vampire academy that was oh, yeah. such a bad movie but oh, the, yeah. that song that cover is it's a church's cover so it has to be good right yeah man lauren's on it so what more do you want from a, like a track like Nothing. that's all you want so uh yeah we're joined by mark hi say hi mark we haven't said hi yet Wow, it's been like three minutes. We suck at this. Like, we're real yeah. bad at this. Hi, everybody. How's it going? It's been a crazy week. Crazy week. Crazy. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in the news. Uh, yeah. I'm Paul. Hi, I'm phoning in from South Korea. And it's a bright, beautiful day. <laughs> Terrible for October. Where is my doom and gloom? Yeah, um, kidding, eh? The yeah. world is burning. Shouldn't the sky be on fire as well? So, uh, Well, yeah, pretty much. That is uh, definitely going to be a topic of discussion this week. However, we're going to start off by some good news for one of our podcasters. Mark has been retweeted by some of the cast members of Letterkenny um, because of some fan art that he did. And I'm really excited for him because he's getting he's getting bumped. Uh, so check out his Instagram at MT underscore O-U-E-L-L-E-T-T-E. So you can see the art and it's been uh, on some Instagram stories for the cast of Leonard Ketty, and that's pretty awesome. So, congratulations! Thank you, little brother. No, I'm. Uh, I had. A, it's been a weird day, right? So, like, I woke up today. Like, I, I was just telling Paul, like, offline, but like, I, I slept like garbage yesterday, for just because I sleep like garbage. And I woke up super early and was like, I gotta post this thing because like Letter Kenny premiered today, and I gotta, I wanna put it in front of a bunch of people, right? And like, lo and behold, like an hour later, I've got a like from the real, like, the official Letter Kenny Instagram account. And all of a sudden, Michelle Millette, who plays Katie Cat, or, like, or Katie on Letterkenny, has shared my art 
in an Instagram story. And then throughout the course of the day, a couple other cast members, I just noticed uh, Tyler B. Johnson, who plays Stuart on the show, shared it as well. So I'm like, things are happening. I'm excited. So yeah, there's there's more to talk about in this thing, but we will get to that at some point. I won't get sued for talking about it, basically. It's kind yeah. of where we're at. Cool. So we'll do that. But no, it's so, been it's been it's, it's very exciting though. Like I got to talk to Michelle Mallette for like two minutes today, and like I've been getting messages from fucking everybody. Like all corners of the earth are like seeing this thing and happen, like just messaging me. That's really cool. Um, so yes. that's the, the that's the good news this week. Yeah, um, that's the only good news we have for this week. The rest of uh, us just like doom well, and gloom. Yeah, it's here or there, but uh, we have to talk about China. So we've got a little bit of a weird, it's been a, a media onslaught of China overcompensating for the, I guess, the traction that the Hong Kong protests have been getting, has decided mm-hmm. to, I guess, pull the leashes of various companies that they have controlling interests in, including Activision Blizzard, Riot Games, the NBA. The NBA one surprised me, actually. I mean, yeah. the, this one you're about to say really surprised me, but not really, I guess. What, so. what Disney? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Disney. Disney d- is a more subtle capitulation to Chinese markets and has been doing mm-hmm. this for a long time. So oh, like, yeah. let's, let's not pretend that this has not been an ongoing thing. Yeah. Their lack of LGBTQ representation in movies has been as a result of their reliance or desire to get those Chinese dollars, right? So that's why we're still waiting on our first LGBTQ Marvel character in the MCU and stuff like that, except for that one guy in Endgame. We're not going to talk about that, that garbage. Anyway. I forgot about that. That was a bad PR decision on that That was really bad. That being said, the... Outcry against Blizzard in particular has been very strong and the NBA too, actually, which is good. Like they deserve. So what happened was one of the Hearthstone champions got his prize money taken away and got suspended for saying free Hong Kong on his stream or on the the championship stream, which uh, resulted in him in a PR firestorm like people. And then a couple of streamers got suspended by blizzard as well. Now uh, blizzard has returned the prize money and uh, softened the suspension of this player named Blitzchung. But uh, they had the audacity to say that their decision had nothing to do with China, which is such, (laughs) such bullshit. Especially blizzard who like, we know makes starcraft and like, that's what like, yeah, that whole region eats for breakfast is like those RTS games, and that's what Blizzard does, and that's why they're so ingrained in the Chinese market. It's yeah. because of those RTS games, right? Yeah, and same with Riot so, Games and League of Legends, yeah. which yeah. Uh, have leagues huge over there. Yeah, they've told, and here in Korea too, but they've Riot Games was told to completely avoid any political speak in uh, trying to avoid saying the name of one of the teams named Hong Kong Attitude. So they keep calling them HKA, and it's just like they keep every time they catch themselves saying Hong Kong Attitude, they like catch themselves. It's really Mm. weird. I saw the stream. It's fucking. And then the NBA showed a map of China's claim of the South China Sea. It's like, hey, here's China, and here's the like that. What is it? The 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 seven dash line that they call it that goes around yeah. the the south china sea which is not an officially recognized claim internationally which is just like holy shit see it's funny because we're on opposite sides of the world right now so this is your priority right like this is the big story to you this has nothing like nobody see is seeing any of this in north america right now like Except nobody if you're cares. on reddit well even on reddit man 
the, you know what I mean? Basically, America doesn't exist right now. Like, there's no American government right now. It gets yeah. completely fucked. So, like, the North American news is basically like, we don't know what's going to happen in the Canadian election. And that's, like, the seventh fucking headline. But, like, the top headline is, like, America just doesn't exist right now. So, like, yeah. Hong Kong burning, we're like, is that actually still happening? Because basically Washington's on fire. And we're all watching that. Because yeah. it's fucking terrifying. You know yeah. what I mean? If you're in North America and you're watching what's going on in the States right now, it's like oh shit like should i move to france like is that what's happening right now like we need to make some money letter candy people hire me so that i can move to france <laughs> yeah seriously i guess you know what i mean <laughs> right. like, I I'll, job. Do, I don't I'll do all of the promotional art from europe thanks bye yeah I'll be, I'll be in yeah i was like i'd go i I was even thinking like england but i'm like wait no england's no. almost worse fucked than the americas are right like yeah. the, the americans are right now i'm like oh my god anyway i don't want we can't talk yeah. about the world news anymore we got to move on otherwise okay. i'm gonna go hang yeah. myself in the corner all right, all right. So we're done with that. We just wanted to point out that, like, we do, we support Hong Kong, and we do not support uh, authoritarianism. So fuck you, bootlickers and tankies. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> so uh, anyway, moving on to something fun. Let's see what's next. What was big? We got some trailers today. Did we get more trailers this week? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, oh, or reacts. Get out. Yeah. So, or yesterday. So, the first trailer for Disney's Jungle Cruise came out. Um, oh, The Rock one. I saw that one. Yes. Uh, the Rock and Emily Blunt, which for Mark, this is probably like a weird uh, boner for him right now because it's uh, like. <laughs> you, you stole the words right out of my mouth. I was just like, it's like the weirdest boner I've ever had in my life, actually. So, because, yeah. So, Jungle Cruise is a. Disney ride movie in the vein of Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion. Except, except with one big difference, its star is not a serial wife abuser. Yeah. That, was that dark? That's too dark, right? Yeah. yeah well, sorry. Yeah. That, no, that's fair. It. It's also tr- it's true. But it's, it's also <laughs> true. So there you go. It looks, uh, it looks kind of, it gives me the mummy vibes. Like it gives me a, like a silly kind of over the top action feeling to it which i'm all for like if we can get more high-powered librarians played by <laughs> british women like i'm like all about hey, this they can, as long as they're just played by british women because like you're first of all rachel vice is like a raven-haired beauty and should be in more movies also because she's amazing i'm just watching the trailer right now it is honestly it feels like a remake of the mummy like just from what i'm watching like she's like a goofy librarian right Pretty much. I mean, she's and, like, like falling around and like fumbling around, and then she's going to run into the people's champion, who like yeah. is a con I don't know man. if I He's believe a- him. <laughs> I mean, I, I buy him as a con man. Let's not let's be honest here. But like, I don't know if I buy him as a 18th century or 19th century human being because there's not that much HGH in the world at the time. Yeah. He's like, like he's so big, man. Like he's so big. Yeah, I, I thought he was like. It looked like he was wearing a muscle suit, and I know that he, that is those are all his real muscles. But it's oh, almost yeah. like cartoonish because of the the costuming that he has going on, which I I enjoy. I like the vibe that he's giving off, like kind of like super muscly newsy kind of vibe. <laughs> but, he's got like I don't yeah I don't know what he's trying to pull off here. Sorry, I'm like I'm watching I'm literally watching the trailer right now while while we're trying to talk, and I'm like. Man, he's handsome. Man, she is pretty. Also, this okay. is I like this. This is good. The most unbelievable the most unbelievable thing in this trailer is uh Emily Blunt is a blonde though, which I just don't I don't. It, it's I don't I, I, she looks good. She looks good. I, mean, I, she I looks know. Good. Emily Blunt always looks good though, dude. Like she's beautiful, so there's yeah. that also. I just uh, Also, man. He's good looking. He's just a handsome man too, you know. Yeah, there's just a lot of, There's a lot of pretty on the screen and uh yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> 
I'm gonna go see this probably. Like it oh, looks I will. fun. I will definitely see it. it I will lo- definitely see it. It's a rock movie, man. I go. Yeah. I love the man. In more Disney Pixar news, the uh, there is a full new trailer for Onward, which is mm-hmm. like the suburban modern fantasy from Pixar, starring uh, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland as two elves yes. who are going to go on an adventure. And uh, is this the one that is being scored by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross? I believe because it's yeah. the Nine Inch Nails score. Yeah. yeah. This is one of those weird ones, right? Like this Pixar movie throws me off. Cause first of all, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland, not Chris Pratt. I can see. And it actually, I guess they've both been in Disney movies. I mean, right? yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about now, but I was like, I was thinking like in a straight Disney movie, I was like, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. I'm like, well, I guess they've got contracts. So may as well go for it. Yeah. But like, that's cool. But then like the nine inch nails connection, I was like, this, what is going on at Pixar? Like, I get that you'd want to work with Trent Reznor cause he's a fucking genius. Right. Yeah. But like, it's just a weird vibe to drive, like the dragon to a Disney movie, yeah. nine inch nails. Yeah. So like, I think I made a joke at one point when I was talking about this, with somebody it's probably you guys, right. Just hope that at some point during the movie, they hint at the like the melody of closer just a little bit just a little bit right just so that all the parents who are there who are probably our age now right like in our age bracket Mm -hmm. who have taken their kids to see this movie get that weird boner from like that because nine is that closer song sexy as fuck it's weird but it's sexy right so you'd be like man why am i turned on in this kids movie this is really fucking awkward a weird pavlov's boner during the uh yeah because like you heard the closer riff or something you're like oh shit i know yeah that that reminds me of being at the kingdom yeah or like a strip club i don't know what what, oh sure sure what's going on yeah it's weird anyway i just that that's what that movie is like basically occupying my brain with right now it's just like how how's it gonna work with a pixar movie that's got like Trent Reznor doing the music for it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, but I'm on board. I'm on board. You know, it's Pixar. I'm on board, on board with Onward. So um, even though yeah. it stars the worst Chris, we're gonna move. Well, on. there's like so many of them. Like, yeah. there, there he is the worst. Chris. There has to be a worst Chris, and I I nominate Chris Pratt for that because of his. Well, I mean, like, what are, what are your choices, right? You got Chris Evans, who's Captain America, so fuck no. Yeah. Hemsworth, who no, he's yeah. Thor, no. And then you got Chris Pine, who's like not one of the Marvel Chris's, but he is a Chris. And he's Captain Kirk. Yeah. So, like, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. And then, because uh, basically, because he gets to hang out with Carl Urban, because Carl Urban's the fucking yes, man. He is. That's why I'm yeah. saying Chris Pine's the man. I agree. And then, uh, Pratt. Got Pratt. Was, yeah, it's just Pratt. Yeah. You got Pratt. And, like, I mean, I don't hate Chris Pratt, but, like, I don't like Chris Pratt. Yeah, fair. You know? Yeah. I'm one of those. I'm, I'm in that boat. So, fair enough. Cool. I didn't watch The Office. I didn't, or what, what was he, he on? He was on Parks, Parks and, and Rec. Rec. He was funny on Parks yeah, and Rec. I didn't Rec. watch any. I have to say, yeah. he's got one of the best bloopers on parks and rec for all seven seasons with the the kim kardashian is that the one <laughs> she's making a comeback oh, oh yeah. i think she got yes. come on her back <laughs> yeah that was like my favorite i it's the only thing i think i've seen from parks and rec aside from like a ron swanson supercut because yeah. like that's all i care about in that show right is ron swanson okay. but i saw that it was just like wait is that from the show because like i if that's from the show i need to watch this show because that's a good fucking joke but it was like no it's an outtake and i was like oh yeah, it should have been in the show. I'd have watched the show. <laughs> I don't think that, I don't I think NBC would have really enjoyed that. <laughs> I know, but I was like, put it on a streaming service and like you make those kinds of jokes, and you got me. You know what I mean? Like that's a Letterkenny joke. Like they would probably make that kind of joke on a more adult like cable or streaming comedy, yeah. like a Californication or Ballers or something like that. You would get that kind of joke. But guess what? NBC yeah. disappointed, disappointed. But either way, that fucking outtake got me laughing. So, but yeah. Anyway, Chris Pratt. Where's Chris? mediocre but tom holland man yeah i'm really excited about tom holland next uh piece of news is uh rick and morty season four trailer which looks 
very Rick and Morty and unfortunately yeah. announced that it's going to be like a split season with like fewer episodes, but maybe more frequent occurrences. So we don't have to wait two years in between seasons. I hope that's kind of what they're doing. Yeah. I'm excited for, I mean, Rick and Morty, I mean, fuck the fandom, yeah. but like, I love that show. It's I, so, good. so I'm excited for just like more Rick and Morty to absorb. Cause man, you got to kind of live with those shows for a while. It's like a tool record. You got to kind of like watch them. Rewatch and, like, them rewatch them and then you know take something and rewatch them just to get all the little angles and the jokes out of it like you really got to ring those things yeah. out so i'm excited for more rick and morty to just kind of sift through so yeah awesome. i'm uh, i again we hate the fandom but love the actual product <sighs> yeah we're not going to talk about the rick and morty fandom i am just excited for this new season and it's about damn time and the trailer looks funny as yeah. hell so yeah, we'll review the season when it comes out because we've reviewed Rick yeah. and Morty before, and we'll definitely want to get into that again. And we can talk about we can and by talk I mean bitch about the fandom at yeah. that point. Uh, let's see. After our review, our scathing review of the Joker last week, um, it di- didn't seem to really yeah. matter, of course, because our voices—it's uh, a small voice among many—record-breaking <laughs> box office for October. <sighs> because I'm not surprised, and how many joker costumes are we going to see this halloween oh man i you know what it's gonna make me miss the heath yeah. ones you know like that's the one I'm, I'm gonna be like fuck you guys you should be wearing a good joker costume you know heath ledger not this it's, it's not it's even gonna, the joker yeah i don't i know it's good I it's get it. i don't get it i don't know i i'm happy that it like i guess i'm happy that it did well i think the reason i'm happy that i did well it did well is and i think i said it on the episode last week was it means that dc will take chances with their movies a little mm-hmm. bit more I don't know if these are the kinds of chances I want them taking necessarily where they get all this hype and it's like, it's, this is not even the character that you're selling. Okay, cool, man. Joaquin Phoenix is really good in this movie. Yeah. So do my thing. problem is that this might actually have the reverse effect and like change the character in the comics. And then it becomes more of a baseline <sighs> for future iterations of the Joker, which is like, See what happened. What with the what I've gathered. This is just me being on the internet all fucking week, right? Because I don't have a job, so I'm online a lot. But uh, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of YouTube reviews and all that kind of stuff. This movie's getting hammered by everybody who has a brain and like actually watches movies more than like you know casually. Casually, yeah, I guess right. So what's going to happen is like the conversation around this movie for right now is going to be like, oh, this is really great. Everybody loves it because they're fucking mindless automatons who just get spoon fed bullshit and think it's fucking fantastic i we saw fight club you know how this works but what ends up happening is like fight club has a good critical overall kind of Mm -hmm. opinion you know what i mean like people like that movie because it's a good movie um joker's not necessarily like it's an average movie with an extremely good Mm -hmm. performance in it it's gonna get lost in the shuffle and what's gonna happen is you'll see you'll see that in the comics where like yes people are gonna start adding that kind of characterization to the joker but i think you're gonna see like purists being like no, like that's not the Joker. Yeah, so like nobody wants this. No. Yeah, and like yeah, I think that's kind of. I think it's gonna be gate. It's gonna be gatekeepy kind of, but it's gonna be like I think it's gonna be like the real kind of like real nerds being like, guys, this is not. I mean, we can argue about everything about this movie for like till the end of fucking time. But I think the one thing we should all agree on is that that guy is not yeah. the Joker. He may be a Joker, Joker. but he's not yeah. the Joker because. I wasn't scared of him. I kind of thought he was a joke. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, Heath Ledger terrified me yeah. when I watched him on screen. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's a lunatic. Like, what yeah. is going on? But this guy, I'm like, all right. Like, he's pretty unfucking hinged. But, like, 
I lived in St. Catharines, so like I've been dealing. Those guys walk up and down the street yeah. all the time. So, so my Korean friend who lives in the United States, he messaged me about the Joker movie and like his reaction to it, and he was like, "Oh, I loved it so much." And like, well, what did you love about it? And he's not a like studied film nerd, and uh, we've never done film studies, but like we, he hasn't consumed the, the amount of media that we have. He didn't like understand the taxi driver reference. I didn't. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I took film okay, while we were in Brock. That was okay, one of my fair arguments. enough. Yeah. But that being said. Like, he didn't, uh, like, get the film references and things like that because his film references are just mm-hmm. culturally different because he was born and raised in Korea. Um, so, like, he he yep. thought this style of movie was pretty revolutionary and that he w- was so surprised that he sympathized with the Joker. And to me, like, this is a pretty, like, th- it is Taxi Driver pretty standard wrote, like, sympathizing with the villain of the story thing. Yeah. So, like, it... I think that's my problem. I guess if you haven't seen Taxi Driver, you're like, or Original Kings of Comedy, either way, like it's basically those two movies mashed together with the Joker plastered on top of it. Like that's how I've heard it described more often than anything else with the other, like our fellow podcasters, I guess, is that's the description that it's getting is just that. And I don't know, man, like I, I saw it and was just like, yeah, I like, I like Taxi Driver too, but like Taxi Driver in 2019 what does that fucking mean? Like, it's not 1972. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just a style of movie that appeals very much to that particular demographic who would dress up as the Joker for Halloween. If you know what I'm saying, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, like it'll last a couple years, just like the last one did probably. And then there'll be another Joker and it'll be the same fucking thing. Like, it's just like at this point, the Joker has become such a character on his own, which is really weird, but you know, whatever. I mean, Venom, right? Like Venom's a huge fucking psychopath and he's a superhero, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Either way, congratulations to them for yeah. making a ton of money. I guess that's pretty cool. I mean, it's always nice to see these movies make money. That means we get like, more of them. Yeah, we love these movies. Yeah, we get more of them, right? I just wish this one had been more my taste. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of things that are of taste, um, I have comic book news because I'm excited about this. G. Willow Wilson, who uh, introduced the world to Kamala Khan, is taking over the Sandman universe reboot of DC called The Dreaming. With art by Nick Robles. It looks really, really sketchy, dreamlike yeah, kind of. It looks really, really good. I love G. Willow Wilson so much. Her stories are just like her. I just love almost everything she's put her name to. So uh, I'm really excited yeah. for this in general. I'm just, yeah, pumped that there's seems to be a Sandman renaissance happening because I think that the Sandman TV show might really actually happen. Like, I think you're, you're you keep holding your breath there. I, I will, I will, because I really, really want it to happen. Like, I just, I love Sandman so much. Like, yeah. I, I miss my absolute edition. So I think that's going to be my first reread when I get back. And, uh, that reminds me i'm actually sitting in the room that they're in i need to take them out and steal them so that i can reread them before you come home in the kind of related female comic book writer news noel stevenson was interviewed about Shira and the princesses of power season four which i have talked about many times on the podcast already it is a good show and season four of netflix Netflix's show is coming up soon. The trailer came out. It looks great. I'm very excited about it. You should watch Shira because it's it's good. I feel like I'm going to dip into it when He-Man hits. Like it's going to be one of those like I'm kind of curious. I'm going to go see what's on the other side of the street when I'm done He-Man. That first I know when that first season of He-Man hits, I'm going to binge it cuz like Kev's writing it, right? Yeah. So I'm going to get in there and then I'm going to be like, I kind of want more. So I'm going to go check out the Shira thing that Paul's always talking about since I'm in the mood for it's not good. childish sword and sorcery, I yeah. guess. I don't know what else to call that stuff. Like it's kids sword and sorcery, right? Yeah, pretty He-Man, much. Basically it's, it's he, He-Man's 
Conan for kids, I think. Yeah. Which actually explains a lot about my life. So there yeah, you go. And I guess that uh, Shira is like a G-rated Red Sonia. So like, Hey, I'll take yeah. it. You know, I'm still waiting for that Red Sonia movie to come out too. Like I'm trying to remember we announced the director at one point, like months and months ago, but I don't remember when that movie is actually coming out. And I'd be curious to see how that does. Cause I like that character a lot. And that's a world like the, the Hyperborean world is one that I am engaged with, I guess. Yeah. So who is directing the Red Sonia movie now? It's not still Brian Singer. No, they kicked him off and they replaced him with uh, a woman. You were very excited about it. I remember oh, that. Why can't I remember? Oh, Jill Soloway. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Made transparent. Yep. Yeah, so she's directing the Red Sonia movie that's coming out. That's exciting, though. Like, I'm I'm cool for, you know. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. Like, that kind of Hyperborean world movie again. I mean, even that last Conan movie with... Actually, was that Jason Momoa? It was Jason Momoa. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, all right, anyway. let's shift gears quickly to video game news because we have some announcements about new consoles. The PlayStation 5 will launch in late 2020, and it's called the PS5. And n- yeah, nobody's shocking. surprised because... No, nope. hardware ray tracing, though. Like that's, it sounds like quite the fucking unit. So we'll have to see. Like built-in SSD, like by default, like no options there. Like it's a, it's an SSD with built-in ray tracing functionality. I was like, it sounds like a pretty beefy machine, which is interesting because I've heard similarly beefy specs coming out of Redmond, like coming out of Microsoft. So like next gens, they're looking like powerhouse machines. So it should be an interesting uh, run up to. Uh, I guess it's the ninth generation. Are we going into eight? ninth generation i guess yeah consoles. i don't know and like the way they they're both like servicing themselves out i guess that sounds weird but either way they are basically prostituting themselves but like doing their game pass kind of things and like sony has been rectifying how ps now works and like adding downloads and stuff like that i'm like there's a good chance next gen's like i don't know if it like the end but like it's definitely where like you're going to pick an ecosystem and stay there, especially now that crossplay is yeah. happening on like all these platforms. Did you hear that story this the last couple of weeks where like even I think COD is getting uh crossplay? I didn't hear that, but that's it's huge, man. Like it's fucking huge that uh, Call of Duty is getting cro- like I know it's been happening on the indie side a lot, but like when something like Call of Duty gets like Xbox, Sony, or sorry, Xbox, PlayStation, and PC crossplay, mm-hmm. like holy shit. I think it's Stadia too if it comes if it's coming out on that yeah. Google thing. So it'd be crossplay across all of those platforms. Like that's a big fucking deal for just gaming at large at this point. Like it's a story we probably should have talked about when it happened, but we're not like a gaming podcast, but it's a big story in that sphere that Microsoft and Sony are who are collaborating behind the scenes on XCloud. So I mean, there's obviously more money involved than yeah. anything else. But and it's interesting. The fact that they're opening up the platforms to just even let Xbox players and PlayStation players not only see each other's stuff and talk to each other, but actually play the games together. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and there was a release of, oh, what was it? An Xbox exclusive that was released on the Switch recently, which was, uh, oh, it yeah. was an indie game. And I, Cuphead. Not Cuphead. Cuphead's but but it was something Switch, that was made it? by Microsoft. Hold on. Oh, that had crossplay? Rocket League has crossplay with Xbox and Switch right now. And I'm not sure. I think Sony might actually be involved with that as well. So you can play Rocket League across all four platforms right now, which is fucking mind boggling, right? Like, that's craziness. You can play it on Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, or PC, and you can play from a Switch against any of the other three consoles or whatever. It's, yeah. it's a weird time to be alive. Hang on. Sorry. I just, I, oh, it's Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah, that was developed by Microsoft. It's Switch cross progression, right? Like Switch cross progression, you can play it on Xbox and keep your game save and go across yeah. over to the Switch and stuff it was, like that. Yeah, 
I think they had that kind of functionality in there. And like, that's what I'm talking about. This is really weird. Like Microsoft and Nintendo are in bed together. Sony's working with Microsoft on their cloud stuff. Like just make one mm-hmm. deck and call it a fucking. We like voice, competition. You know? like, we like competition. Maybe not Nintendo. Yeah, I, we do. But like now Google's in the space. I can see Sony and Microsoft being like, well, well yeah, especially I, the way Sony is. Yeah. You know, I, you know, Sony, <sighs> yeah. You know Sony if be. they, if, we can get less of Sony's brand of decision making, then that would be nice. But until then, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Microsoft this gen in terms of decision making, like after once they got over that initial Xbox One hump, they've been like super pro gamer. I'm, I'm very on board with both. Like the way both companies are running right now, I'm like, I don't care. Honestly, they're both doing great things. You know, like both decks are awesome. It's worth actually owning an Xbox and a PlayStation right now. Like if you're, in a position to own all three systems and like why wouldn't you at this point because like fucking there's tons of cool stuff coming out for microsoft that you can pay a subscription mm-hmm. fee and get all access to like i played gears of war 5 basically for free because i have game pass i'm like this yeah i would have been 80 dollars otherwise you know what i mean like it's crazy it's fucking crazy so yeah and then like but devil may cry 5 and bloodstain coming out so fast to that service i'm just like this is yeah, they're really like putting sure. the moves right now. So it's gonna be, it interesting. Be, it's gonna be cool next yeah. gen, I think. Uh, well, uh, like I'm interested to see how the Switch exists in this powerhouse ecosystem, and like, I think they're gonna yeah. get a revision. There's gonna be a pro revision uh, next year. Like when those consoles come out, they're gonna do something because it's already underpowered. Uh, there was a story about Resident Evil Five and Six mm-hmm. having been ported over this week, and the like sub 30 frames per second like super wobbly frame rates and shit i'm like this thing's underpowered even yeah, to run that's... 360 games like we're gonna move into like ps5 with hardware ray tracing and like 64 gigs of fucking gddr or i think it's gddr6 ram and stuff like that and it's just gonna be like yeah we can't we can't put the same games on those two systems one's a cell phone with a fucking controller attached to it and the other one's basically like a high-end or like a mid-range pc but we love the so, form factor of the switch it's crazy like, i just love I love the Switch. Like I love my Switch, and I like, it's the only thing I brought with me to play while I'm down here, like in St. Catharines for the weekend. But I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Like if I had to choose between all these things, I'm like I'm probably taking the Sony for deck sure. because power plus like all the games. Yeah. So, all right. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so that's all I have for news. Do you have anything else to add? Did I miss anything big? Oh, probably, but I don't. Who gives a yeah. care? You know. Like, let's, let's move on. Just, let's just do. All this. right. So our next segment is our Geek of the Week. No, that's <laughs> same thing. Say yeah. I was just trying to bait you into it. I was just going to see if this would work. No. Like, leave it. it's been 168 episodes. We're probably like 160 episodes since we started doing Geek of the Week on the show. I've never once done the sting. I don't think. I, you, know, you could go back and listen to all 168 episodes if you wanted to. Somebody go listen to all 168 episodes and let me know if I've ever done the sting for either segment. Yeah. I don't think it's ever right. happened. I don't think it's ever happened. So uh, this is the segment of the show where we talk about the geekiest thing we did this week. And uh, we'll start with Mark. Mark, what was your Geek of the Week? Well, you fucking stole my shit, like, right at the top. My Geek of the Week was, like, I got to talk to Michelle Millette and, like, the Letterkenny cast are, like, loving my little sketch. Or it's not even a sketch. It's a massive drawing, to be honest. So that was, like, I didn't... I have nothing else, honest. Well... Oh, there's the goose ball. We can talk about talk the about the goose. I was gonna oh, recommend you can talk that. about you can save it for your geek cred. That's fine. Well, so I'm just you know geek of the week. Like is definitely the latter Kenny thing. Like that blew my mind. Like it was the craziest thing that happened to me this week. Also, yeah, uh, untitled goose game. We're gonna talk about it at the end because I want to recommend it. It is, oh my god, it's amazing. You should all go play right. it. But we'll talk about it at the end of the episode. Right. So yeah, definitely. Like I got to talk to Michelle Millette and like oh, there's just 
this little like, ooh, things could work possibly um, has been very exciting yeah. today. So that's my geek of the week is my art got, you know, noticed, I yeah. guess. That's fucking there awesome. My geek of the week is a game that I got sucked into and... It's weird because there was a Kotaku news item about this game. The producer of the game knows that the game is boring. Uh, it's called Pokemon Masters, and it's a mobile Pokemon game where the characters are mostly not the Pokemon themselves, but the the trainers who have been in various video games and anime episodes and how mm-hmm. they have a, a single Pokemon that they are synced with. And it's like the combat system is pretty fun, but the game is so rigid in how you can actually complete certain battles that people were complaining that, hey, there's only one way to play the game. There's no, like, you can only beat one these characters with these Pokemon and that's it. Why would you use anything else? So the very, like, core concept of the franchise like you pick your favorites and you try to win battles with them has been completely lost and the producer was all like yeah but that being said i still played through the whole story mode this week just convenient to tap through like i i'm doing physiotherapy where um i'm in cervical traction i kind of can't for an hour at a time i'm getting my neck pulled on and i can't move or i'm getting electrostimulation on the right side of my body to like give my muscles a massage and stimulate them properly and stuff like that. So I am stuck lying down, staring at the ceiling for an hour. So basically I've just, I put my phone in a way that will not injure my neck further and basically tapped through this game while I was doing that. So, but yeah, that's that was my geek of the week because it was basically all I could do. Yeah. Well, goose, 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 goose. all in good time. All in good time. Man, you got it is it's like hysterically yeah. funny. Like I was just I'm trying to think of a video game that I played that has ever made me laugh like hysterically to the point where I had to put the controller down for a minute. Cause I was just like I it blew my mind. I was laughing so fucking hard. It was really bad. Like what I did was horrible. But oh god, it's <laughs> fucking hilarious. You're just like a dick goose. And you just get to wander around being a dick. And I'm like, there's no consequences to this to your actions. You're just a goose. Who's an asshole? And I'm like, this is so much yeah. fun. So much yeah. fun. Anyway, let's move on. Let's get this meat Let's of the go to our meat of the episode. Masked Meta Meat. So we are starting our Spooktober festivities by uh, for the podcast. Like, I guess it's a dance robot dance tradition in October to review horror movies. Well, it started last year, and I thought it, it was an easy way to get through the month of yeah. October free content kids but uh yeah it's it's always fun to kind of get into the the halloween spirit by doing this kind of thing so when we started doing it last year we had a really good time obviously the timing didn't work out because joker was last week and like we didn't get to do the full month and like obviously we should note that tim's not here tim is traveling to come up to canada right now because christy's wedding is so we're recording on the friday night Christie's wedding is Saturday. You guys will probably hear this Sunday or Monday kind of thing. Like that's when it'll finally get out because I won't edit it tomorrow while I'm on the road. But yeah, so Tim's not here to do this. But like, yeah, we wanted to do, you know, Halloween stuff again, and that's what we yeah. do here. So horror movie yeah. time, that kids. That being said, I am not a big horror movie person. Like, I just don't really, I don't really get it per se. Like because I yeah. don't, I'm not, I'm never scared by them. I'm, I guess yeah. I'm just too jaded to be scared by them. And generally, it's rare that the performances are any good. There also are exceptions true. to the rule. I mean, I fucking love the Babadook, but I like love that as a drama more than I love it as a as a horror movie. A horror movie, yeah. 
So like I was kind of when we decided to start doing our picks for this, it was easy for me to choose which movie I was going to do because it had to be the movie that is meta commentary on horror movies. It is the movie Scream, of course. So uh, Scream is a 1996 film uh, directed by Wes Craven, horror maven master. Although, like, really, can we say that after watching this movie? Like, this movie's not that scary. But I think that that this movie wasn't supposed to be scary. Yeah. No, probably not. It was definitely supposed to be something else. And uh, it was written by Kevin Williamson, who also went on to do Dawson's Creek and The Vampire Diaries. And boy, does yeah. it sound like and so it. Does, and boy, does it show in the casting, too. But that's, that, that oh, God, is yeah. a uh, product of 90s. 1996, man. Ago. Like, just think about the people who were famous in 1996 as, like, who were, like, teenager famous in 1996. And it is a scary fucking list yeah. of people. You know people I mean? in their, like, mid to late 20s. It's hysterical. Also, that's the other thing. One of the first thing I noticed when I'm watching this movie, I'm like, everybody in this movie is 38. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like everybody's thirty. Like Nev Campbell, who I love and is gorgeous, like just a goddess. Yeah, she looks like she's like maybe the youngest person on the cast and is a clean twenty-seven. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Jesus Christ, guys, with the casting. So we'll get into it though. I got, I got, I got like a list of them. Yeah. So uh, let's start off. Like, let's talk about our background with the Scream movies because. Oh God. I remember watching Scream a lot on VHS back in the day when <laughs> we rented it from. That's entertainment, blockbuster video, and or jumbo video. Jumbo video, yeah, wherever I was, wherever I had picked it up from, because that would have been it. Totally would have been a Mark grabbed it on DVD to bring home kind of movie. If I hadn't, I probably saw it. Well, actually, I saw it in theaters, so it's hard to say when I actually would have. We actually would have saw it. At yeah, because I saw. I definitely didn't see it in theaters because I was only eleven at the time. Yes, I was. I was fifteen or sixteen and six foot five so i kind of just walked into the movie theater like without much of a problem yeah. so there, it did it was a very it was one of those movies it was a huge yeah movie. It, it was one of the biggest grossing movies of 1996 basically through word mm-hmm. of mouth because like its opening mm-hmm. weekend wasn't that strong but it just it just kept going it was like a slow yeah. it was like a snowball rolling down a hill yeah, yeah, it was one of those, like, that, that kind of movie doesn't happen anymore, it's kind of a uh, crazy story, like, it used to happen back then, like, Titanic's actually a similar story to that, where, like, it didn't, like, it hit kind of first week, but it just fucking kept going, yeah. you know, like, just lasted forever, and the last movie I remember that really happening with was Avatar, I can't remember a movie that just, like, slow burned its way to being a big hit. James Cameron took what happened with Scream, I think, because uh, Titanic, I, I was watching a video. Um, it's like the next year too, right? Yeah, it was exactly like 97. Yeah, I was watching a, one, a YouTuber that I follow a lot, uh, Movies with Mikey, uh, Filmjoy on YouTube, okay. did a whole video on like, does Scream still hold up? And talked about how James Cameron <laughs> took the December, like the, the holiday release model and ran with yeah. it. And yeah. Titanic solidified it. But it was the originator was Scream because it was released on Christmas yeah. of 1996. Yeah. Yep. I remember uh, I coming out because we went and saw it over the break and that would have been my grade 10 year ish mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I remember it coming out and I remember us going to see it. I think it might have been one of those weird movies that ended up with a 14A up here. Oh, maybe. So, like, we could just go see it or something like that. Either that or it was R and I, like, I've never really had problems with that kind of thing. But I went and saw it in theaters for sure. I ended up working at the same theater I saw it at for like 10 years afterwards, too. So there's that. <laughs> there you go. Um, good old Cineplex Odeon. Oh, yeah, man. I love that. I, love, I miss that little theater. Yeah. Garbage pile that it was. It was it was home for a long time. So Yeah, for sure. 
And I saw all the other screen. It was funny too, because I was thinking like, did we run this movie? Like, did we screen it? And I was like, this is before I worked there. And we screened, or screened, not screamed, screened with an N, every single one of these movies afterwards. Like the sequels came out in short order, like two and three. Yeah. And I was working at the theater by then and we ran all of them and like they were fucking crazy busy and it was just a total shit show because it was just teenager fest, right? Like this, that was the thing with the nineties and horror is once scream hit every second weekend was one of these like 14, a horror movies, like a PG like kind of horror movie. Yeah. They bring the high to get the high school kids out. Right. And we all went and I mean, I was working at the theater at the time anyway. So I was there regardless, but yeah. I'd, go to, I'd, I'd be at school all day and then go to work on Friday night when one of these movies opened. And then everybody that I went to school with would walk past me at the ticket stand. You know what I mean? It was yeah. one of those where like half the fucking people showed up in my theater that night. And I was like, oh, okay. What else are you going to do in 1996, I guess, in St. Catharines? I guess so. I remember there being a glut of, because like slasher films were still around in the 90s, but they were we were getting yeah. into like iterations of four and five of like Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th or Halloween. Yeah. And then uh, this kind of brought the horror, like the teen horror genre into into focus and mm-hmm. uh resulted in the eventual television renaissance with like buffy and angel and supernatural and things mm-hmm. like that because like, hey, buffy was on the air already yeah it was in 1996 and 1996 would have just started yeah, yeah 96 97 because she shows up i was actually thinking i was watching it and i was like is Sarah michelle geller in this one no but she's in the second she's one. in the second one she's also in yeah. i know what you did last summer which threw me off because I was like, wait, aren't those like related? Isn't that a Wes Craven movie too? But I guess they just really like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Or she was playing Buffy and just decided that like she wanted to go play against type and I, go play the girl who gets killed. Right. I, guess. I remember reading a story and I don't know if this is true or it's like, but it was something about how Sarah Michelle Gellar said in an interview that she likes dying on screen. Like there's something about it that like as an actress that she enjoys doing. So like, okay. Hey, whatever floats your boat, man, if that's your calling. I fucking love Sarah Michelle Gellar. So I was on yeah. board for that. Either way, it's just a weird tangent, but like, yeah, these movies are everywhere you know yeah. like the whole that whole decade was just like constantly like a new screen was coming out or like i know what you did last summer was coming out and that was basically like the same fucking thing at this point you know what i mean like yeah. it was just it's like either you're staring at nev campbell's perfect butt or you're staring at jennifer love hewitt's chest because basically what those movies were about mm-hmm. um i guess rose mcgowan in the first scream also like yeah <sighs> Yeah. That wardrobe person deserves just like all the Academy Awards. We'll talk about that because goddamn. Um, But yeah, I remember having like fond memories of the first two Scream movies and being feeling Mm. like I was kind of over it by Scream 3. Oh, yeah. And then eventually Scream 4 came out. I think just it was Wes Craven's last movie, if I'm not mistaken. I don't, I don't think I've seen Scream 4. I'd have to go look at it. I have them. I grabbed them all so that I could do this one. And now I'm like. I don't remember. I don't remember Scream Two. I remember Buffy was in it, and that's about it. And I think like Omar Epps isn't at the beginning. Is that was it Omar Epps at the beginning of that? Is movie? that Scream anyway. Three? I I remember Scream Two. Two. Scream Two. two. Uh, Scream. Yeah. Yeah. Scream Two. I remember had uh, one of the O'Connells and yes. had Lori from Roseanne. Yes, and Jada Pinkett Smith was in the intro with Omar Epps. So I'm pretty sure that was Scream Two. Oh like that. They're yeah. At the movie theater or whatever. Yeah. 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 And they're, yeah, okay, so. And they're just like the most stereotypical TV black couple of all time. You know what I mean? It's just like, who writes this shit? Anyway. Yeah. So, although we're going to ask that question a couple times during this episode, (laughs) because I had a couple minutes where I was like, what the fuck? Rate what? 
I thought this movie was supposed to be smart. Yeah. Like, it's not. Well, um, I think that it, it if we have to talk about a, how smart this film is, well, yeah. Let's talk about the introduction because this was one, sure. one of the cool, the coolest bait and switches of all time. That was actually the actress in question was the one who thought of it. Uh, Drew Barrymore. Before we get into the, the intro, can we just talk about the title card, which is the most nineties as fucked up. <laughs> oh my life. God. The title card. Yeah. Yeah. The title card. I was like, as soon as it started, I was like, Oh my God, I forgot how shitty this was. Like it's so, it's budget, so budget. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the title card, like we, we see the introduction and hello, it's Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore yeah. was actually in line to play Sydney Prescott. And was yeah. definitely going to do that. But it was her idea to play Casey. She was the biggest name on the title card, right? Like, oh, she's the biggest sure. name in this movie, for sure. By a lot, especially at that point, she was fought. She just came off the Playboy thing. She was huge at this point. Yeah. Like, every we all loved her. Yeah. Every dude in that age bracket was just like, she is a goddess. She still is a goddess. But, like, I love Drew Barrymore. Yeah. And this it was this movie where everybody was like, <sighs> yikes, she is hot. Yeah. And just... Yeah. Oh God. So we spend the first like ten minutes of the movie with Drew Barrymore, and like she's so instantly likable, which is yeah. why I think that like I think it's one of the best introductions to a scream or a, to a horror movie ever. I think it's one of the best introductions to any movie ever. Like, can you think of a movie that opens like this, aside from like the bank robbery and the Dark Knight or something like that? Like, what is better than like this at the opening of a movie? Yeah, like, it works so well to the point where like it takes the movie about fifteen twenty minutes to, I don't know, even like catch my interest again after that scene's over. Like, yeah. you gotta catch your breath. So for the first, like, I don't want to go past it, but like that first ten fifteen minutes, once you get past Sydney or like get into Sydney's story, I was like. This sucks. Like, this is so fucking boring compared to, like, that insane opening that, like... It's... That was mind-blowingly yeah. good. And then we're gonna do this for... Honestly, it goes off for, like, half a fucking hour. This movie's so long, too. It was unbelievable. Yeah, anyway. or it feels that way. But I think that... What, it felt that way, yeah. The, the introduction speaks to what I've always thought that horror is better when it's brief. Yes. Like, feature-length horror movies rarely ever do it for me because, like the suspension of disbelief that something could happen over such a prolonged period of time just gets to the point where like, yeah, you have to add genre elements from other things like murder mystery in this one or whatever. Like, but the first opening minutes are just like this really tense enclosed space where like the rules are set up really well. And the characters like, are so even the voice the voice on the phone and Casey are like immediately at odds with each other and at the same yeah. time like they have such good interplay that yeah yeah and then the just the sheer horror of like the mother hearing her daughter dying over the phone at the end of the sequence like it's just yeah it goes from like this playful thing to every mother and father's worst nightmare everybody's worst nightmare she gets fucking axe murdered in her home or sorry knife murdered i guess in her own home and then it gets like her parents get to find her that's like literally every person in who lives in that house's worst nightmare if she gets to die and her parents get to find her disemboweled on their lawn hanging from a tree yeah it um i have to like just and then they do that that super fucking like insane like jump scare scream as they zoom in on the dummy that's clearly not true anymore yeah and I was like, yeah, it's clearly not true. Barry Warren, high def kids. Like, whew, don't let me freeze frame these things. That looks fake. Anyway. Yeah. Like this opening is one of those things where it's like, 
that's what you think of when you think of this movie. So then you start watching the movie and you're like, holy shit, this, all right, this is going to take a minute to like catch. It's almost like it stops after that and it needs to get back up to speed. So you get to go back through the acceleration process. Yeah. And it's like, after what just happened to me, where my face was plastered into a wall at Mach 3. Yeah. Oh, holy shit. I don't want to deal with any of this stuff. Although, hello, Rose McGowan. Hello. Yeah. I see you. Like, that's about it. That's all that catches my attention at that point. It's like, wow, I just go watch Drew Barrymore get brutally fucking murdered in like a gr- like really well written little interplay. And now we're going to stall. Uh, well, do you know what we get into is like 15 to 20 minutes of an episode of Dawson's Creek. Like, honestly, it feels. Yeah, but like creepy Dawson's yeah, Creek. Yeah. Like, I don't I didn't write dude's name because like we go straight to her bedroom, right? Like we're right into her. Not Johnny Depp. Skeet Ulrich. Her bedroom. Yeah, Skeet Ulrich. I, I don't fucking care what his name is. I'm calling him not Johnny Depp because that's what he is in this movie is not Johnny not Depp. Not Johnny Depp. Like that's all he he wants to be Johnny Depp real bad. Hey. Really wants to be Johnny Depp. You leave not doing it. you leave Skeet Ulrich alone. He's the dad in Riverdale now or something. Yeah. And that's supposed to make me feel what? I, well, it's weird to me that Riverdale has basically taken like creepy Dawson's Creek. That's what because that's what Riverdale is now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Riverdale just is Dawson's Creek as far as I'm concerned. It's just it's got weird fucking ghosts and shit in it. For whatever reason. I uh, The comic did? Hey, you never know. Maybe John Bernthal will show up and they'll get to meet the fucking Punisher at some point. Because that happened in the comics, too. Ah, yeah. You know? Good. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but that being said, uh, yeah. So the whole sequence of, like, Skeet Ulrich climbing through her window and being a fucking creep and, like, guilting her, guilting her into having sex with him or trying to... Have, trying to oh god kind of? it's so pathetic to watch it's like, well i'm like this fucking dialogue is really fucking terrible yeah. right like that's my that was my first takeaway i was like it felt like somebody doing a joss whedon pastiche and then i realized that's how kevin williamson made his fortune was just doing joss whedon not as well not as well and that's what this movie really is and that's kind of like where i think it kept taking me out where i was like i know what i would have written in there and i know what Joss Whedon probably would have written in there, and both of them are funnier than what you put in here. Nothing that they wrote is as good as what is in my head. Yeah. It's just, it keeps getting to me. And like, so I had these two horrible things where I was like, this whole edgy joke shit at the beginning, I remember hating when I was a kid because it was what adults thought we sounded like, mm-hmm. which I understand the irony of that statement like now, but that's what Kevin Williamson thought kids sounded like it's not what we actually sounded like so it's super infuriating to watch yeah. as somebody who was there in that age bracket and you're like no these are the people we beat up yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, like not johnny depp i would have kicked his ass 17 times like he just he's so creepy i was like you're just creepy i want to beat you like that's the whole point of this movie to me is just like not johnny depp needs to get punched in the face because he's way too creepy to be dating nev cam right that's my takeaway the problem is like the the dialogue itself is wrong but the characterization is right for some reason because i know mm. i've known those guys before like they're oh. they're all they all wanted to be directors and film studies majors and they all wanted to be the next like fucking fellini or whatever and they're like <laughs> oh life is a movie and i'm like i want you to be my muse i've met those guys i've met them hey i went to art school and took film classes i met a hundred of these guys and guess what none of them actually usually amount to anything yeah and uh are usually completely full of shit and it's actually probably why i really hate this character right from the start because i'm like i know this guy yeah and i hated him then (laughs) now he's not johnny depp and i hate him even more yeah i know like they they had 
Also, he's forty fucking two. Like he looks like he's like nine hundred years old. I don't. Uh, the casting in this movie, like I know it's like that's the era. Like there's a real big thing in the nineties about like Dawson casting, and that's why that joke is there. Like that TV trope exists, Dawson ca- Dawson casting. Yeah. But like all these people are in like their late twenties, and I'm like, I don't believe Rose McGowan is a teenager because like, no. Yeah. Also. Um, I think it's Matthew Lillard. My problem is a lot of these, I know the actors kind of by name, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know any of the characters. And then also, so like Matthew Lillard, this movie has one sin on it that I can never let it get away with. It has both Matthew Lillard and Jamie Kennedy in it. <laughs> and I was like, how, does, how is that even legal? Are they allowed to be in the same place at the same time? Like that's fucked up. The, uh, the annoying cringe factor of those two actors at the same time. Oh my God. Yeah. And they have scenes together like constantly. And it's just like, oh my God, turn it down like six notches, boys. Yeah. I think that the first scene when they're all talking to each other with Rose fountain. McGowan there is yeah. is bad, but the 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 scene in the movie store, the video store, is oh, so much worse. Yeah. So much Which worse. Which is clearly just like an unbranded blockbuster. Like it looked like a blockbuster, but they weren't wearing blockbuster stuff. I was like, I'm in a blockbuster, but like he's wearing some other name tag. Yeah. And I was like, huh. They just redressed a blockbuster. Yeah. Cool. 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 I remember that store layout. It was exactly the same one we had here. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about casting a little bit more because like um, those the the actors in this movie are all really like all the male actors. I hate pretty much all of them. Like I pretty much hate every single male actor in the movie except for maybe David Arquette, kind of, but he's still annoying. I, I still, I still kind of hate David Arquette. I've always kind of hated David Arquette. It's funny because actually, I, like what I wrote in my notes, like right at the top, was like this movie is a laundry list of girls I had crushes on in the '90s and Courtney Cox. So I was like, because first of all, I, I just want to bring up what the fuck color was that suit she was wearing at the beginning of this? <laughs> I, have, I have lots of weird like man the 90s were a fucked up time kind of thing because like what color lime is that because it's not any color i recognize oh as a God. color it's weird it's really weird it's it's really weird to me that like the cast of men that they had was so just horribly unlikable except for uh henry winkler i really like the principal i love i love the fonts creepy though he's touching sydney and shit oh yeah, yeah, yeah i was like mm, in a probes in a probes yeah. like i know it's 1996 and like it's a it's a different age but like i don't remember any of my fucking principals touching me like that yeah and and i don't remember ever seeing any of my principals touch a 16 year old girl like that and i was like this is inappropriate yeah you need to keep your hands to yourself henry fawns actually i didn't i i, I wrote fawns the entire time yeah. here too so i was like yeah fawns although i liked that he's did fr- it, he stands in front of a jacket and like does his hair i was like good i'm glad they got that in there yeah like we didn't know he was the Fonz. We have to be reminded that he was the Fonz. Yeah. All of the, the male characters are completely irredeemable. Like, because Jamie Kennedy's really fucking annoying. David Arquette is a pain in the ass. See, at least, like, Jamie Kennedy's not, like, he's, his char- he's not evil. You know what yeah. I mean? He's fucking annoying, but, like, he's not evil. Yeah. So, like, when he gets shot, I was like, I kind of feel bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, yeah, for the most part, I'm like, I'm, I, I agree with you completely. Because I, like, not Johnny Depp's just horrifically unlikable from the second he shows up on screen his buddy matthew lillard is just like so over the top obnoxious that i'm like that man's on cocaine mm-hmm. like he's on so much cocaine this entire shoot and then you've got jamie kennedy who like 
God, he's so annoying. Yeah. I hope they listen to this podcast. I'm never going to be able to work in Hollywood. Cause they're all going to be like, fuck you, dude. But I guess oh, yeah, because that doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they're he, not really making, they're not really tastemakers anymore, I guess. Right. Uh, he's uh, dad in Riverdale, I guess. But, uh, it's, it's been a long time since the Jamie Kennedy experiment or whatever the fuck that was called. Uh, <laughs> I never, never watched an episode me of that. Neither. So can... Yeah. Cause all, all of the male characters in this movie are pretty like, uh, like, like absent father, creepy principal who gets murdered, two murderers, annoying film geek guy who will never get laid in his entire life and like weirdly emasculated douche oh yes like those guys too just the random guys who are around who are just like yeah dude and that's all they say the entire movie yeah also all of them 42 years old yeah for sure teenagers like all of them are in their 40s it's crazy yeah they try to make the female characters seem vapid but they're all so much better and richer characters overall than the male characters by a long shot like first of all all of them are infinitely better actors than any of their male counterparts absolutely 100 percent. so like nev campbell's amazing yeah courtney cox who i do not like is still actually a pretty good actress she's so good in this movie she's excellent in this movie and then you know who i did like is the camera guy is Dan from Deadwood. Oh. The actor played Dan in Deadwood. So I was like, stop yelling at Dan from Deadwood. He's <laughs> going to do horrible things to you because he's a bad man. Yeah. I've seen Deadwood 17 times. He murders people for fun. Yeah. Don't fuck with that guy. Anyway. Uh, so I was like, cause I, I kept seeing him. I was like, I recognize that guy. What do I recognize him from? I had to look him up and I was like, Oh my God, he's Dan from Deadwood. Mm-hmm. He's now immediately my favorite male character in this movie, just because he was Dan in Deadwood. Yeah. Um, although <laughs> I did, I did unfortunately laugh when Courtney Cox like fucking like freaks, out on him. freaks out on him. And I know you're 50 pounds, at least 50 pounds overweight. Pounds overweight like, yeah. I was like, girl, she's so rough. Fuck. She, yeah. Like, she- I was fucking died there. That I was, You know what though? I was like, right, like five minutes later, he like, or maybe it's not five minutes later, later on in the movie, he throws, like he just litters. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you, dude. You deserve what Courtney Cox said to you, you fat piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm saying that as a dude who is 50 pounds overweight. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Also, he's Dan and Deadwood. So, like, don't do that because he will kill he you. He will kill he you. He's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But, like, Drew Barrymore as Casey was instantly likable. Uh, Rose McGowan as Tatum had her annoying oh my moments. God. was funny as the funniest part of the movie by a long shot. She's the best part of this movie by the long, like, the longest, like, the countiest mile, whatever you want to say. I don't know how to <laughs> say it. Like, the cuntiest mile. Countiest, <laughs> countiest, I guess, sure. <laughs> you said it, I didn't. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, she's she's so watchable yeah. and, and not just, and literally not just because she is the most ridiculously attractive girl on the planet in this movie like i've never been so attracted to one person in a movie than i am to rose mcgowan in this movie i love rose tatum o'neill or tatum not tatum is it O'Neill? she's so great like she's so so great um but then like she starts talking and you're just like oh man she's hilarious too so she looks like that and she's hilarious yeah why not just make the movie about her because that's what this movie should be about, right is about her and the outfits she wears the entire time yeah because beautiful yeah yeah i think that just the fact that they're all pretty like all the women in this movie are just unrepentantly like themselves like yeah rose mcgowan is insults everyone on the everybody. cast absolutely everybody yeah. on the cast courtney cox is a bitch to everybody but it's justified for the most part and sydney is like she's a very likable protagonist and it really yeah. pisses me off when like they're trying to play off her like oh my mother just died and like skeet ulrich is like you have to get over that sydney i was like oh you are evil you're just evil in like multiple ways 
So this is why, like, I think that this that was one of those things where I was like watching the movie and like he skeezed me out from the very beginning. I'm like, he must be the killer. Like, it's got to be him, right? Because mm-hmm. like I hate not Johnny Depp from the fucking minute he shows up on screen. I'm like, it's got to be him. And then Matthew Lillard, and I'm like, maybe it's him. And then when they like, I remember watching the movie originally because this like it's this movie I've seen this movie a hundred million times, mm-hmm. and like it's twenty something years old. Is it twenty twenty three years old? Holy shit that's fucked up anyway it's an old movie now but so i've seen it a million times but like i remember the first time i saw it i was like i don't really know who the killer is mm-hmm. but i assumed it was skeet ulrich oh i just said his name not johnny depp i assumed it was not johnny depp and then kind of thought it was matthew lillard and when it became both of them i was like that tracks because they're both assholes and i'm glad they're gonna die horrible yeah if you see the behavior of not johnny depp from the beginning <laughs> of the movie as him trying to like get Sydney to break the rules of surviving a horror movie, then yeah, he's supposed to be creepy from the, the get go. So I can see that I can almost give them credit for that. But like Skeet Ulrich is just like, so uh, just slimy and that yeah. hair. Oh, that hair. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, that's why I know. I, I hate it. Like it's just the nine, it's the most nineties outfit I've ever seen in my life. Oh. He just looks like he wants to be Johnny Depp really bad. And I'm like, all right, cool. You do, you do you Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. Not Johnny Depp. Yeah. You're not Johnny Depp. Yeah. Where are we at here? Like, so she, they go, it's so weird, right? Cause you get the opening and then they go to school the next day. Yeah. Like how's the school even open the next day? Like when oh. did it be like first thing in the morning? Be like, Hey man, one, like two of your students got like ripped apart close the school for the day yeah and then like halfway through the day they're closing the school anyway so it's like what are we doing anyway yeah it's just an excuse to get everybody into the same spot i think it's weird right yeah again (laughs) this is my my problem with feature length horror movies is that like the willing suspension of disbelief when uh, like just the the actions of the universe just make no fucking sense like yeah all of like a curfew being instituted absolutely makes sense in a small town like this when the fact that the school was not closed until they figured things yeah. out doesn't make a lot of sense to me either when like it's like close the school because yeah, like an attack happens on fucking campus right like doesn't she get attacked like the same no maybe it's a couple days later that's later in the movie isn't it yeah it is later know. in the movie when she gets attacked on campus which like they never like i know they close the school but there is that weird it, it don't, they never actually show her talking to the police to say hey the killer's in the building let's search the building they never did yeah, it was that. A weird, that's a, it's a that's weird, a weird cut. There's a, yeah, there's a weird cut there that I thought was kind of interesting. But yeah, there, I, I'm trying to like, I, I wrote down notes, like almost like I was kind of trying to make sure I was tracking the, the plot of the movie so we could talk about the whole thing. Yeah. But I was like, I kind of got lost in just like the 90s-ness of it. Also, there's a bit where Winkler refers to my generation as thieving and whoring. And I was like, yeah, all right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. You're a baby boomer, motherfucker. Isn't he past baby boomer? Oh, I, pro- I fuck who cares cool. you know was it the golden generation? generation yeah pretty much like he is that generation like on tv yeah right uh, like happy he's days. like a 50s kid yeah happy days right so he's totally one of those fuckers anyway yeah. it was pretty funny when he's like swinging the fucking scissors around at those two kids oh. like just like threatening to cut their dicks off and shit i was like this is good like I, this is totally inappropriate but i'm like all right maybe he's the killer yeah no obviously not because like it's not Henry winkler right no i was very much on board with him like just being fucking over it because I know as yeah. as a, an educator myself, yeah, I you do get tired of the kids' bullshit sometimes. Like I, I deal with much, much, much younger kids. Mm-hmm. Teenagers are the worst people in the world, uh, and we should really get our sister on the podcast once just to tell us about like teaching teenagers. Um, our sister is a grade eight teacher this year, and 
man, she's having fun with her class. Like she, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, super funny. Anyway, yeah, it was. It did feel a little bit like kids these days kind of bullshit but at the same time i'm kind of glad that they went through that well it's funny too because it's like it's written that way like oh fuck the kids these days but then like it's clear they don't understand the kids these days because like the next scene where they're like we're canceling classes sydney and tatum are sitting outside like sunbathing or whatever they're doing just hanging out i guess and somebody's playing schools out for summer by alice cooper and i'm like no 16 year old I had a bunch of problems with like the way the kids acted in this. I'm like, no 16 year old in 1996 is playing Alice Cooper's schools out for summer. Yeah. There's Radiohead records that need to be listened to. Yeah. And like, I'm pretty sure sneaker Primps put out a record that was really good that year. There's no fucking way these girls are listening to Alice Cooper. It's so weird. This is 1996. This is the like height of grunge, like grunge era, like post grunge era, like, yeah, we're, like we're in the middle of alternative nation. Yeah, exactly. It's alternative nation at, th- at this time. So I'm like, why are these kids listening to fucking Alice Cooper? I'm like, they're not listening to Alice Cooper. They're listening to, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Radiohead, Nine Inch Nails, Stone you know Temple what I mean? Pilots, whatever. Yeah, Pilots, yeah. anything. Yeah. Seriously, there there was a weird disconnect there. And like this was like the start of the rise of gangster rap around this time too. Like mm-hmm. Oh man, I had those Notorious was out by then, right? Like B.I.G. was out I in that. So. Like I think yeah. that double album had come out by then. And like, man, we had the Chronic by then. Like Chronic was like 1993 or something like that. So like we had those NWA records and stuff. Yeah. We had that stuff. That existed. We had stuff. We had Pearl Jam. We had all kinds of craziness in the 90s. Yeah. It was fun. This is a movie that reeks of not understanding its core demographic while still yeah. pandering to it at the same time. It'd be almost funny to like take this movie and like maybe the first like three episodes of Buffy and like compare them. Like just kind of compare and contrast like how much more authentic and maybe they don't anymore because i haven't watched them in ages but like how much more authentic buffy felt to me versus this movie which just feels like a product that producers made and that's what they think teenagers sound like whereas buffy was more like yeah we know teenagers don't sound like this but it's what they wish they sounded like and they kind of made it work mm-hmm. kind of thing whereas these guys are just like i don't know why kevin williamson thinks that having six well 37-year-olds who are playing 16-year-olds talk like they're in an Aaron Sorkin movie is an appropriate way for them to talk because it's fucking ridiculous. Whereas like Buffy, the way they they talk like us, right? Because they're constantly forgetting words and they're umming and there's all those weird like Buffy speak things where they're like, you know, the the Pepto-Bismol-y thing or whatever, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Where there's like it's pop culture references to describe something. Mm -hmm. Uh, That doesn't happen in this movie at all. You can feel the difference, I guess, in terms of the dialogue, where it just doesn't feel as authentic as what you would have gotten from a Joss Whedon or one of his many acolytes, I guess, at that point. And it's it's funny. I should we should also note that we are still talking about Joss Whedon to this day. Like he just made Justice League and all that kind of stuff. I haven't heard Kevin Williamson's name in fucking a decade. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. I think one of the standout scenes of like nobody fucking talks like this in the movie is when uh, Sydney is in the bathroom stall and is overhearing those two girls talk yeah. about her. This is yeah. possibly like that girl who is the, the cheerleader or whatever who is trying to sell those lines was doing her best, but that dialogue was so fucking bad. I could not. Also, 32. You know what I mean? Oh my god! Like, she looked like she was dropping her kids off at daycare. I don't no know. Shit. Her, her and her friend both. I was like, why are there moms in this bathroom? <laughs> like, what the fuck? And why is she wearing a shield? I mean, she's cute. Right. Like, yeah. What the fuck is going on here? Like, these people are old. At least, like, Nev Campbell at least looks like she's trying to. I mean, trying to look like a fifteen-year-old, even though like she's clearly like twenty-three and like ridiculously attractive, kind of thing. And like, there's a big difference, right, between like 
16 year old pretty and like i'm a grown woman pretty and it's like yeah no like yeah come on i would be remiss in not uh mentioning that this has been lampshaded in the uh, not another teen movie uh oh yeah <laughs> with the uh the elderly woman uh recreating the cruel intentions makeout scene on the picnic blanket yes. i and the worst part is i remember seeing this and being like everybody's like man this movie's so good i'm like why are they all so fucking old yeah. like they look fucking 900 years old it's supposed to be high school kids higher like early 20s tops you know what i mean at least like so the suspension of disbelief there because when you close up i'm like not johnny depp or matthew Matthew lillard Lillard. i'm like they're both like in their 30s like they look like grown men they have like man neck you know what i mean like grown-up man neck yeah which you don't happens in your 20s and i'm like yeah they're not teenagers anymore like maybe i had it at 18 because i'm a fucking freak but like yeah it doesn't happen as often like that matthew lillard is a beanpole and like but he's like an older man being pole, you know, like, yeah, he's like, he looks ripped. Like he looks like he's been working out for like 10 years. Like he's got a good definition and stuff too. Right. Like he looks cut. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no 18 year old looks that good. Like it's just not possible. It's just, anyway. yeah, it's just, yeah. The, I know we, we've been harping a lot on the casting, but like, it's really just hard to get past that. Yeah. That being, especially now. Cause I find like we're a lot better about, in general, like media is a lot better about like casting people an appropriate age or who are going to continue to look an appropriate age for an extended period of time, at least starting at that they look at the appropriate age, yeah. I guess. Because like you have like, like when we have a Tom Holland who's in his 20s, but he looks like he could be 17, 18 years old. And I buy him as a 17, 18 year old, yeah. right? But like I see Matthew Lillard in this at 37 years old. And I'm like, <laughs> I, don't buy him as, I don't buy him as. He's not 20 years younger than that. Like, he's not 17. There's no fucking way. Yeah, yeah. So it totally takes me out of the movie. Because I think now I'm used to them. Like, they would have casted it more age appropriately or whatever. Yeah. But then again, how do you get, how do you get a 14-year-old to spit this fucking dialogue out? So Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. So getting away from the casting, let's talk about, like, the plot itself. Like, was this a good concept for a movie? And overall, I think that it was, like, pretty good overall like it was a pretty good flasher flick murder mystery but it felt more like agatha christie murder mystery to me than it did yeah. horror film it feels more like slashery like i think there's that cross between like what has become serial killer horror i guess whatever you want to call that kind of stuff like the silence of the lambs of the world and what was like the slasher movie and this is the kind of the cross section of that it's not a great cross section when you consider the pedigree of a movie like silence of the lambs compared to this but like you know what i mean right yeah. like this that idea are being crossed over in this because this could ostensibly be an episode of criminal minds or some bullshit the moment dad watch now yeah. right like one of those like serial killer of the week shows that's all this really is just it's got a bunch of big name actor well big name for the time actors uh in a major motion picture as opposed to like an hour of bullshit tv on cbs the seniors network yeah but like this repopularized the who is the killer motif in horror movies, though, because that was a thing like what in Friday the 13th, the first one where it was Mrs. Voorhees, which is lampshaded yeah. in at in the first scene of this fucking movie. Well, that was that was popular around this time, too. Like we just had the usual suspects and that kind of stuff had just come out. So like doing the whodunit had be- become kind of like 
a thing again in certain circles. Yeah. So I guess like if you're in that kind of fringe genre world where like you're doing horror, you're probably very interested in what's happening on like the indie horror or like the indie scene period. Right. So like a usual suspects would be a big influence on you when you come over and do your next movie. And next thing you know, you're doing a whodunit with a long explanation scene at the end of it. Yeah. That isn't as well acted. Like, I don't want to talk about how great, Kevin Smith or Kevin Spacey was in that movie because like fuck Kevin Spacey but like he's really good in that and he kills that scene yeah and like this these guys are not Kevin Spacey okay. I let, guess, which sucks to say right. let, let me say though that I don't think that like the reveal of uh what's his name not Johnny Depp uh I don't even remember yeah, not Johnny Depp what is the, Billy. Billy Billy's reveal of like uh you're a mom, your slut mother was fucking my father, and that's why my mom left. Was it? It wasn't for his payoff, but it was the line reading that Nev Campbell does over the phone when she calls him a pansy ass mama's boy. I'm like, yeah. fuck, that was savage. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's so good in this. Like, I love. I mean, I love Nev Campbell, but like, she's great in this movie, yeah. and like, she's not given. I don't want to say she's given a ton to do. Like, she's not she's got kind of like she's saddled with the worst role in the movie like in terms of like i have to do all the heavy lifting here yeah. you know what i mean and like everybody else is getting to play very campy like there's a lot of camp in this movie yeah and she's got to be the straight person yeah the whole time she does and you could tell she's just like man i wish i could be having as much fun as fucking 37 year old matthew fucking lillard over there yeah. just blasting out everything at 11 the entire time yeah right and she's doing this nice subdued performance. It's like, huh. It's <laughs> interesting contrast to watch. Yeah. Also, not Johnny Depp, not a great actor. So yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. We all, did you do you remember Chill Factor with uh Cuba Gooding Jr.? The I do remember Chill Factor. Yeah. Uh the nineties sucked. Yeah, the 90s like thank God we're past the nineties were sucked. Um, I can't. Yeah. But uh, I think that Nev Campbell, like, she was given very few moments to be like an actress and like do the, the she gets to be like the tough girl final girl in a horror movie yeah. and do the righteous indignation thing which i appreciate and when she gets to play off moments with courtney cox their rivalry was my favorite part of the whole movie besides rose mcgowan the, probably my like their relationship works is like the through line for the entire series i think yeah really like when you actually kind of break it down because they're the only two characters who really last aside from fucking david arquette but like former wcw champion david arquette not somebody i want to spend a ton of time <laughs> talking about uh, yeah seriously so, oh god and like he's pretty good in this like he like he plays this role well it's just this role is fucking annoying yeah right like <laughs> well, well, so. at first like i was like is rose mcgowan's character is Tatum being too mean to dewey and i'm like no she's no. being appropriately exactly mean to dewey. <laughs> exactly as mean as he needs her to be it's basically like because you know what it is you start thinking about because you're just watching it and it's just two people interacting but then you think about it like that's exactly how my sister like i thought i always think about it this way as the older brother yeah. that's how my sister has always spoken to yeah. me yeah like i am basically an idiot at all times and i'm like no this feels right keeping you in your place making sure that you yeah. stay humble you know yeah basically i mean i'm a celebrity now you know what i mean like, what are <laughs> talking to me? so I, i'm fucking hot shit jesus christ mark I was actually going to like start out the podcast by just like being a whole big dick bag. Be like, I'm fucking quitting because like Letterkenny people talk to me now and fuck this should, shit. Should you know we int- I mean? introduce you as celebrity Instagram artist? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that should be my new title. Celebrity Instagram artist Mark Watt or whatever. Yeah, that's, like, that's my new name. There fuck off. <laughs> Come on, it's a good bit. Shut it's up, a good Deputy bit. Dewey boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Fuck it. Oh, man, that, like, that bit, what he, like they're in the... 
uh, in the police station and she's trying to get him to leave and she's just fucking yelling at him. I was like, <laughs> I go. love you. Love you, Rose McGowan. Marry me. Yeah. I love you right now. You are amazing. Yeah. Before we go too far, I do want to point out. So we were talking about like the, the kind of dull, weird, like post intro scenes and stuff like that. There is a fucking scene where she gets home after school like they let school out and she goes home and like tatum's gone to practice or whatever and she sits down and i'm like first of all it's like the longest fucking scene of all time where she's alone just wandering around the house like you watch her pack and then she sits down on the couch and she starts flipping through the fucking news and i'm like again no 16 year old on the planet in 1996 turns on the tv flips through three three news things and then stops on the news story about her mom having been murdered a year ago yeah and doesn't just immediately flip that much music or a Simpsons rerun. MTV. Like it's 1996. Yeah. Right. I know. Yeah. Like why are we not just putting a music video or Simpsons reruns on? Cause that's what we did at 16 in 1996. Yeah. Cause I was 16 in 1996. So like, I remember what it was like. And regardless of how much news was happening, you'd be like, is that what's happening? Right. Cool. But like Simpsons reruns are on, right? <laughs> like I don't right. care about any of that. And then she falls asleep on the couch and I'm like, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm so, yeah. it's like, if you wanted us to empathize with a character, be, uh, her falling asleep was very much on brand or like, especially at this point at. in the movie where you're just like, where you're just like, what the fuck is this movie about now? Cause like we killed Drew Barrymore, which she was on the poster. So I don't even know what's happening. Yeah. And now we're doing this thing where like Nev Campbell packs a bag and falls asleep on the couch for like 20 minutes. Okay, interesting, interesting pacing choice there, yeah, boys. Yeah, and then it it ramps up again when we have like the break in the break in, but her on the phone, um, telling the guy on the phone whoever she thinks it is to fuck off. Yeah, and I like that shit. Well, I was like, well, the, my thing when I write in the first at the beginning where the the dude keeps calling her back. Like, first of all, like nobody has caller ID. I was like, oh. two years later, everybody's got caller ID. This movie doesn't work anymore. Right? Yeah. So. Then there's unknown numbers and burner cell phones and all this shit. It's yeah. Kind of like I guess yeah. it's so weird though. But so like she, so then it's supposed to just like hanging up and unplugging the phone, which like you could totally do in the nineties, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could just unplug the fucking phone mm-hmm. and not have them call back. I was like, why did she keep picking up the phone? I I was having that problem at the beginning of the movie with Casey. And I'm like, she, yeah, well, that's why I wrote it, but it happens like a couple times, yeah. right? The same thing where like, the second time I'm like, just hang the fucking phone up and take the thing off the hook. And then like, go get your dad's gun. Cause we're in the middle of America. So he probably has a gun in the house and hide in the corner. Yeah. Until Tatum shows up. Yeah. Cause what the fuck are you doing? It takes what, like when you're in old fashioned phones, you, you hold the button for what, two or three seconds to cut the line and get it like, and clear the line. So dial you tone. get a dial tone so you can call out 911. I don't understand why Casey or Sydney did not do that. I'm going to hold the button for like two seconds. He's not going to have a chance to redial fast enough. I'm going to call yeah. the police right now. Yeah. Like it's it just, it was craziness. It was mind boggling to me. And I know that the, the also lampshaded by the fact that Sydney's like horror movies are stupid. Like she should be going out the front door and calling the police. And then goes up the stairs, even though she says the line five minutes later. Yeah. And then she uses her modem to dial in. Cause you know, the nineties, like that's how that worked. Just use your modem. Yeah. So that happens, and then they go back to school the next day, and that's when the scene in the bathroom happens, I think. So it's like there's two days of school yeah. between Casey getting murdered and them canceling classes. And I'm like, why? Yeah, and in between, there's all this misdirection about, like, because they think that Billy might have done it, but then yeah. she's staying over at Tatum's, and then the killer, the who we believe is the killer, is calling her. Yeah. 
And so we start getting this misdirection. And so I guess the movie tries to justify its own bad decisions when it comes to like, why is this school still in session? But uh, because it's like, oh, we had someone in custody that might have been the killer, but we they didn't know that there was any connection between what Sydney accused Billy of doing and what happened to Casey and Steve. So, well, it, I think because he's he was somebody came into the house wearing the. That's the thing. How yeah. did they know about the mask? Right, like at at the kill site, because like did the guy did he not take the fucking mask with him? Like, how would they have known about the mask? Right, they wouldn't have found out about that until Sydney survives that first attack and was like this dude's wearing this mask right yeah logically i mean who knows given this movie they may have magically known what he looked like after the case no, no but they they talk about that after casey gets attacked or no after sydney gets attacked they they're like oh you can buy this costume fucking anywhere yeah that's true that's right yeah oh yeah because poor fucking the whoever plays the sheriff the poor guy is just like exposition machine he has like two scenes in the whole movie or three scenes one scene where he dumps exposition the other scene where he says nothing and stares in shock while rose mcgowan verbally berates dewey and then another scene where he smokes and dumps more exposition and i was like that's yeah. the most thankless role you could possibly have in this movie right. I guess. The, the sheriff exists solely to cast suspicion on sydney's father which yeah, i never yeah. i never because we only get Sydney's dad for like three seconds at the beginning of the movie. I'm like, this he is obviously not the killer. Like, yeah, it's too obvious at that point. I think, and that may be just because we're super jaded and have watched Scream 500 times, but yeah, or the, the movies that kind of permeated out of this. But whoever the murderer is going to be, if you want it to be satisfying, has to be a character that gets a reasonable amount of screen time, or it feels mm-hmm. like a cop out because anyone who like gets a like a brief flash of whoever has to be a red herring. It's like the yeah. rules of Agatha Christie. Yeah. So, so like, know. where, where are we at here? So like Henry Winkler dies at this point, right? Cause like two days of school, he cancels classes. He threatens the kids, which is like the best scene in the movie that isn't a Rose McGowan scene. Um, Cause he threatens to cut their dicks off and threatens these giant scissors and shit. Yeah. And he says the thieving whoring thing, which is hilarious. Like he's really good in this. Like he's fucking funny. Like, yeah. I know he's supposed to be creepy, but he's actually like hysterically funny to watch. Mm-hmm. And then, so like they go and decide they're going to have that party that night. And I'm like, one of these, why do you, pe- these people, there's a ser- teenagers in a movie. I guess you can't, I don't even know how to write that at that point. Cause it's just teenagers in a movie. Like we're just going to do tropes. So they go to, this is the scene where they go to blockbuster. They're right. We have like Matthew Lillard versus fucking Jamie Kennedy for five fucking minutes. And it feels like four hours. Yeah. And I don't know who decided to put these two in the fucking scene together, but I was a horrifically bad decision because <laughs> this scene is terrible. First of all, what I wrote in my notes was like, "Hey man, remember Blockbuster? Like a sweet eh? <laughs> yeah. Like wasn't that cool? Being in a Blockbuster again? Yeah. I haven't been in a Blockbuster in like twenty years. It's fucking yeah. amazing. Just being surrounded by potential stories, just all around. It's like the the the, the movie library concept. You know, now it's a list of torrents on a torrent, yeah, or whatever, or, or yeah, Netflix or whatever. Netflix, yeah, yeah. So like, but like that scene also has like they're both fifty one. Which I just had to keep pointing out. Like they're they're oh so God. fucking, they're so fucking old at this point, right? But it's like I was sitting there thinking, and they're start talk, they're having this conversation, and I was like, "Oh man, these guys are podcasters, and they're just bitching about TV tropes." I'm like, "This movie's bitching about my podcast before my podcast ever existed." Yeah, pretty. That's much. a weird thing to like. <laughs> to yeah. Process. I was like, "Wait, these scream guys are assholes, and they're saying that these guys are assholes, and they sound just like us on this podcast." Yeah. Oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> Oh shit. <laughs> I'm like puzzled by this movie sometimes because I think that like 
Matthew Lillard's delivery in the scene, was it supposed to be bad on purpose because he we were supposed to like guess that he was the killer when he goes like well, what about the dad? What about Sydney's? Fa- I think the father. I think Sydney's father did it. See, I find it entertaining that you think his delivery is particularly bad in this scene, as opposed to just like globally bad in every <laughs> right, scene. In general, because like, it's true. holy fuck, Matthew Lillard's terrible. And like, come at me, bro. Because like, fuck Matthew Lillard, I guess. But like, holy shit, he's yeah. that scene's rough. I agree with you, like that. And then not Johnny Depp shows up, and it's just like, man, this is karma black hole. Like, I don't want to watch this. Oh, like, oh, that whole like the Millennium, uh, yeah thing. I was like, oh uh, god, here we are. All right, yeah. This is Kevin. Like, this is that scene felt like Kevin Williamson, and I was just like, this is you at your worst, buddy. Like. This is, I'm yeah. glad you had the. I'm glad you had the creek. You know, like yeah. good on you. But like, whew, this is not a good deal. You did not do a good job here. He did not. Do, yeah, no, he did not. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of like my thing. Basically, at that point, was like they're 57 and they're arguing like poorly scripted podcasters. And I was like, yeah. man, this seems taken for granted. As opposed to non-scripted podcasters who are so much better at doing this job. Whatever. Hey, anyway. man. <laughs> Under 68 episodes strong. I, we yeah. just do it because we're doing it. So it's not like anybody can cancel us or anything. But, you know, yeah, pretty much. we're still doing it. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think, is that the second uh, sheriff dump at that point? Like yeah. they talk and they're trying to blame the dad. And then like he comes out and like they've obviously kidnapped the dad at this point already. So yeah. that's why that plan's kind of in play. And then the, he comes out, it's like, the dad's missing. We can't get in touch with him. Also, cell phone tracking in this movie is a problem for me. Because they're talking about his cell phone. And I'm like, man, we can track cell phones now in like 15 minutes. We're like, it's going to take days. And I was like, oh, I remember those X-Files yeah. episodes where they said shit like that, too. The 90s sucked. Yeah. But, so we're getting basically to the end, right? Like, we're, we're going to the party. Yeah, we're going to the party because, like, the killer attacked her in the school bathroom. Yeah, the be- school bathroom, and so that's the last okay, time we, we saw we missed, the killer. Yeah, and we missed the part where, like, she talks to Gail and punches Gail in the fucking face. Right, that happens uh, at some point. That's after the cop station. Like, she goes to the police station and she yeah. punches Gail in the face after that. And then they have a little thing at the beginning of the school day, out front of the school. And you're right; they are really good together. Like, they seem to like get along like in real life i was going to point it out because we get to the the scene where courtney cox and david arquette's characters wander off into the forest together oh yeah because they're just constantly flirting and i'm like they have no chemistry it's so funny to me when you watch movies and like real couples are on screen and they have no chemistry together whatsoever you know what i mean and you can like you know they were married for like 10 years so they obviously have some kind of like relationship that works but this happens a ton in movies where like people meet on set and you hear about them dating after and you're watching and you're like i don't see it <laughs> at right. all because there's no real chemistry between them. yeah on screen it's just movie. like yeah just cold yeah she's playing him that's that whole thing is just she's playing him right like that's not okay yeah. cool we get out to the the thing and like this this whole fucking like the the list of nonsense that happens at this party is yeah. insane like so much happens and that it's like a whole movie to itself once you get out to the party because it starts off with like rose mcgowan and they like they go out to the she goes up to the garage yes and the superpower garage door opener <laughs> right. kills her. like this fucking industrial-powered fucking like yeah crushing machine yeah i was like why is your garage door open more powerful than my fucking car like my car's not that there's not that much fucking torque like i know she's a small girl like rose mcgowan's five foot two so she probably weighs 100 pounds total but like no yeah no it's not killing her like that that's not happening this uh, that was the that's the kill in this movie where i'm like that's fucking ridiculous like it's not even amusing because it's so insane to me 
Yeah. And I I have to point out I like her I like her scene at the beginning though, like when he first comes out and she's like get the fuck out of my way, idiot. Like, she's so just like, you're not the real yeah. killer. I was actually, and like, when she huffs the fucking beer bottle at him, that's when I was like, I love yeah. this girl. Because she totally goes for it. I was like, yeah, hit him in the balls with that yeah, fucking beer bottle. Yeah, because she first um, hits him in the face with the freezer door. Yes. Like, crushes yeah. his face. I love the fact that the girls fight back a lot in this movie. Like, Sydney yeah. and Tatum both get their licks in on whichever killer it is at the time. Whichever one. I don't, because that's the thing. I'm not sure which killer is supposed to be which. At this point, I'm assuming Billy's supposed to be that, like, killed Tatum. Because I don't think like, he was Wasn't dating her. Wasn't he in the bedroom with Sydney at that point? though so like as no that's before that right that's oh, before right. that he doesn't show up till right. later so right she... so like matthew lillard in theory i think was in the house being a dick just because he was matthew lillard in this movie so he was clearly just being a dick wherever he was at this time so i'm pretty sure this is billy who kills her also like they were dating would you kill the girl i mean i guess they're both fucking psychotic yeah, like that was you'd think he'd at least hesitate to be like oh man i'm sleeping with her i don't want to yeah. kill her you know there's no physical signs of a struggle on either one of them by the point after like yeah you he just got plowed in the face like maybe it's like bruises wouldn't show immediately but like the, you would feel like there was something like some visual hint that something was going to- well they've both been kind of shit kicked the whole movie too so they both kind of look i mean they do both look like ass they both look like they're 42 <laughs> yeah right so like sure. there's that it's hard to tell really like how beat up they're supposed to be because like they look like they're 42 yeah so that could just be age. If there had been like some subtle thing on Billy's face or whoever's face. It was- yeah. Like he had like a subtle like red mark or something like that, where he did catch the fucking freezer door, like directly in the mush. Cause he totally yeah. did. And that stunt man sold the shit out of it. Like just yeah, the impact bang was- goes down. I was like, at a boy, at a boy. This is where the movie I'm like, Oh man, they killed Rose McGowan. I don't mm. care anymore. Like you killed my favorite character. She should have survived. Kill Courtney Cox. I mean, we wouldn't have had her in the rest of the movies, and she's pretty awesome in the other movies, but, like, Rose McGowan probably would have been awesome in yeah, the other probably. movies, too, because she's yeah. Rose McGowan. So, like, yeah, that, that kill, that's one of those kills that always takes me, like, right out of this movie, is the, the garage door one. Because so I'm like, that's, that's Freddy Krueger nonsense yeah. at this point. Because, like, the physics of that make don't make any sense. Like, even that little strip at the bottom wouldn't have supported her fucking weight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it, that would have cracked yeah. with her wriggling around in there and stuff like that. Also, she's through from the shoulders up, She's through. Her hips aren't that fucking wide. So, like, she should have just been able to push herself through. I was like, get your shit together and start crawling, sweetheart. Yeah. I mean, when she she fell down, he probably could have just, like, run up and stabbed her. Like, that would have been, still would have been fine. The the result was the same, but you, they wanted this sight gag, but it didn't make any sense on top of that because, like, she would have had to slide back more to get her neck crushed the way that it was... Done. Yeah, it was weird because she's like at the waist at that point. I'm like, yes, I thought that thing's not breaking her spine. Like, it's just not happening. There's no torque in something like that. Those things are five horsepowers. I have one in my house. Like, it's not. Yeah. No, that's not happening. I can stop it with my bare hand. Like, I can just yeah. hold it and it fucks it up. So, a like, full person. Yeah. 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 Like a full person, even like a Rose McGowan sized tiny person is probably not is going to stop that thing from. Also, they're designed to stop if they feel any kind of resistance or extra yeah. weight. So, yeah, this is like the magic fucking garage door opener from mm-hmm. hell. 
I guess. Like the garage door opener is actually a killer <laughs> yeah, in this movie. The, I think. It was the it was the door opener the whole time. Yeah. Well, it was like it's the demonic presence that is infecting the two boys or something like that. It lives in in the the garage door opener, and that's how it got fed in this movie. Was speaking Tatum, to our modern decadences and sensibilities because yeah, having a garage what, door. Opener. Get out of your car and open your goddamn garage door yourself, you la- yeah. lazy fucking kids. North American, yeah, yeah exactly. All right, sorry. Uh, we've been we've been rabbing about that one for a long time. So basically, like it's total calamity at this point. Johnny Depp shows up, or not Johnny Depp shows up, and finally Nev Campbell sleeps with him for some reason. I was like, why? why? Like anybody else in this fucking place? Like just rando dude over there, just bone him. Like if you just want to get your fuck on, don't fuck not Johnny Depp who's trying to kill you. Also. Age inappropriate. He's got to be 15 years oh old my God. at this point. But yeah, yeah, the scene where like she finally quote unquote gives in is just like going through the motion. Cringy. It's cringy. cringy. Like they've got the weird like after school special music playing in the background. It's like it's given yeah. weird vibes the entire time. Yeah, it's and uh, yeah, we get this scene, which like immediately is just eye rolling. And then I believe the next scene is where we go over Jamie Kennedy's monologue about the rules of horror movies, which is probably now the oh, most yes. besides the second most iconic yeah, scene, second most iconic scene in this yeah, movie. Yeah, after the the introduction. So we go through these rules of the horror movie, and I think it's like pretty spot on and funny. But this is like the most meta commentary on horror movies this started a genre almost or like just a a mentality about movies so we talked about tv tropes right this movie created tv tropes like that's why that website exists like our entire existence is because of this movie i think basically like this tv tropes was created on the back of this and buffy definitely like we like just categorizing the rules of horror movies turned into categorizing like genre like there's rules for genre of every kind there's rules for romance there's rules for but i don't like that didn't come into my consciousness until this movie happened when i I was and i was 11 Mm -hmm. or yeah i was 11 when this came out yeah i was like 15 or 16 so yeah it's about the same time so either way we're we're in the denouement now and like first of all this denouement goes on and then it goes yeah. on. And then it goes on a little while. Because we And then it keeps going. Yeah. Yeah, the anyone lasts forever. And it's fucking like mad cat Benny Hill shit too. Like it's craziness how much crap happens on this little like in this one house. And the funny part is like Tatum gets killed, nobody notices. Giant car fucking wreck outside, nobody yeah. notices. I'm like, what is going yeah. on in this neighborhood? Like I know they're all in the sticks and stuff, and everybody's kind of left at certain points, but it's like Nobody heard Rose McGowan yeah. screaming? Because, like, what the fuck? Anyway. The whole, like, night, the ending of, like, Sydney being alone in the house with the two killers yeah. is predicated on every single one of those other teenagers wanting to go see the corpse of their principal hanging from the football goalpost. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Because that's in a line of dialogue. You don't see any of it. They just say it because somebody calls. Yeah, and right? everyone except for Jamie Kennedy th- takes off. off. And so we're left with one movie geek and the killer. Two serial killers. The news crew. The news crew, Deputy Dewey, and yeah, yeah, so Sydney. The, the main who's cast left is all there at the house. Yeah, they're just still alive yeah. anyway. So like, I've got, I've, I actually listed it. This is crazy. Like, it's just, there's so much like madcap shit happens. So like, They've kidnapped Sydney's dad. They murder Casey and Steve. They try and fail to murder Sydney. They kill Tatum. 
have a party. What? All right. Interesting. Yeah. Everyone leaves driving drunk, first of all, because they're all fucking plastered when they get yeah. in cars, right? To the go 90s. see their again their principal's corpse. Let's just point this out. Yeah, to look at their principal's corpse, which like even I would I'm like, that's baffling to me. But okay, cool. Back at the house, like postcoital knave and not Johnny Depp have a chat and then ghost faced attacks, killing not Johnny Depp, right? So a whole whack of shit happens with Gail in the van. Like Jimmy, Jimmy Kennedy goes outside and gets the shit kicked out of him with a cell phone for no fucking reason. Remember, she just like he knocks on the window next to her and she plows him in the face like six times with that big nine yeah. brick cell phone. I'm like, that guy's dead. That guy's nose is yeah. fucked now. Poor Jimmy Kennedy. He gets just the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, it's like the comedy room. version of the Pan's Labyrinth scene where the guy uh, gets his face crushed in with the bottle. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it, it's kind of like that. Yeah. It's fucked up. So like Gail gets in a car accident, which like. Okay. After the, did we talk about the newscaster getting killed? I'm sorry, I like oh, the, the cameraman. Oh, the Dan, Dan? The cameraman. The Dan gets killed. Yeah, because that's weird. Because they've put like a camera in the room so they can watch what the kids are doing, and he's sitting in there watching it, eating Doritos. And I'm like, I relate to you right now, Dan. I understand how your life is going. And I don't know what his character's name is, Kenny. Kenny yeah, I think Kenny. I just calling him Dan because he was Dan on Deadwood. Sorry. So he's doing that. And then some like Ghostface comes out and kills him and throws him on top right. of the fucking. Do you remember van. this when Nev runs out to get help and he's all like, God damn, 30 yes. second delay on this video camera? Yes, that's right. Right. And he goes out and he's like, Oh shit, 30 second delay. And he gets his throat slit. That's what happens. Okay, cool. Yeah. But the killer like physically has to lift this fucking huge overweight guy onto the roof of the van because Courtney Cox, when she gets in her car wreck, is because the guy's corpse slides in front of her down onto the windshield. So did both of the killers... Didn't even, I didn't even notice who this guy was. I didn't recognize him until he slid down and I was like, his face popped into the windshield. And I was like, oh wait, it's Dan from Deadwood. That's when it finally clicked with me. <laughs> <laughs> so there wasn't even a jump scare anymore. God I was damn. just like, oh, it's Dan. Cool. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. It's Dan from Deadwood. Wait, she's going to get a car accident now? Uh, Wait, she's going real fast. She should put a seatbelt on. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she anyway. should have. She didn't. She should have been. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's just crazy. Mac- like, I'm forgetting shit, and I wrote it down, right? So, like, yeah. at this point, so Dan's dead, and I keep I'm going to just call him Dan until the end of the movie. Also, same with not, not Johnny Depp. Sydney's still alive. Gail's unconscious. Dewey's been stabbed. Poor Dewey gets stabbed in every one of these fucking movies. And this is the first time he gets stabbed, oh, yeah. right? So Sydney's now alone in the house with these two dipshits. They bring her dad out and they like the whole like your slut mother, blah, blah, blah thing happens at this point. This is one of those things I have with like movies. Like it's a movie trope that happens where they do all this bullshit. And then all of a sudden they're like, go get the fucking gun. And Matthew Lillard's like, can't find the gun, man. I don't know where it is. You went too deep or whatever. And then Gail's standing there with the gun and she's an American. She didn't check the safety. Well, I don't believe this fictional world anymore. Like this doesn't this world doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> That's what gets you, right? Yeah. Listen, I don't know a ton about guns. This bullshit. I know a lot about guns. But like if you pick up a gun and you're holding two guys at gunpoint, if you don't know if the safety's on, what are you going to do? Squeeze the trigger to see if it moves, right? Cuz here's what happens. This is how, what I wrote down. I'm like, even if you don't know if it's working and you don't want to take the time to like physically look, squeeze the trigger and if it goes off, both those motherfuckers are never going to move for the rest of the night. And if it doesn't go off, then you know you got to turn the safety off and you still have the element of surprise. So either way you win, but she doesn't do that. She just starts talking and then fucks up the safety thing. And I was like, yeah, 
I hate that trope so much. They do it constantly in movies now, and it drives me absolutely insane. You forgot to turn off the safety. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, every time. Yeah. So that drove me nuts. And then she gets chest kicked. Like, she gets thrust kicked after all this nonsense happens. That should have killed her. Because she's 105 pounds. And that dude's like a grown man. And like, if he, if I hit a girl that hard, or somebody that size that hard, I'd have caved her chest in. Well, at least she like... Seriously, a lot of broken ribs like a lot of broken ribs plus she's got a concussion from hitting her head and all that other craziness gets up in five minutes she needs to go see a doctor she's been unconscious twice in 20 minutes okay but this is where uh right (laughs) yeah but right after this is where uh, one of the things i like about this movie where in a lot of movies like there would have been like sydney is standing behind stew in this scene and in a lot of movies it would have been like their time was frozen while um billy and gail were having their confrontation but yes yeah. Stu turns around and sydney has just fucked off she's just like yeah. i'm not waiting around i'm out yeah, of here this. they turn their backs i'm fucking gone as well she should smart final girl action you know what i mean yeah. finally does the right thing oh the two guys who are just about to stab me to death are distracted by the woman with the gun i'm getting the fuck out of here yeah good move sydney to an extent because she still decides to start fucking with them instead of running away as uh, but she is in the middle of nowhere so i can almost forgive this because like she would have to cover she did call the cops though she goes out of her way to tell them that she called the cops which i'm like good smart so like the cops are on their way but they're on the boon so it's going to take three hours to get there or whatever yeah so but i this also like her fucking with them it gets to the point where she is fucking just berating them and infantilizing them to the point where i just laughing my ass off like calling billy yeah. a pansy ass mama boy and then like that whole stew 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 while he's crying into the phone because he got stabbed too deeply fucking love yeah. that campbell in this the best show. that that line where he he's like my parents are gonna be so mad i was like that's a good fucking bit because you're an 18 year old who didn't think your fucking dumb decision through. And now you're going to have to deal with like the reality of the situation where you have killed three people because you want to be a Hitchcock kind of person, I guess. Mm. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, like th- this, it's insanity. Like just the, it's craziness at the end. And honestly, like I'm bitching about it. Like I'm, I'm making fun of it, but like this movie's fucking great. Like it's such a fun little ride. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I watch it, it is it usually it takes years between me watching this movie. And every time I sit down, I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be like super dated. And it does date really badly as you keep going back to it, but there's a nice yeah. core to it that's just like, oh, this is a good idea for a movie, and it kind of holds together. Also, if it wasn't Nev Campbell in the lead, like if they'd had anybody weaker than Nev Campbell in the lead, this movie would have fallen the fuck apart. Like would have been unwatchable. Yeah. But they got somebody who's actually a very, very talented actor to be the lead in this movie. And uh, she's still working these days, so <laughs> she sure yeah. is. Also, I do want to. She kills fucking uh, Matthew Lillard with the TV, which is awesome. Like, just yeah. the best kill in this movie is actually. Yeah, let's talk about like where she actually finally takes out everybody. Yeah. Like, she takes out Stu, which I really appreciate. Like, killing him with the TV was very on, literally on yes. the nose. And then they take out Billy. They're all standing over the camera, uh, looking down at Billy's corpse. And there's that moment where it's like, oh, the killer's going to come up for one final scare. And she fucking shoots him in the throat. No, right in the, fu- right right in the, the, right in the middle head. of the head, man. She blows his brains uh, out. Right in the middle of the head. Yeah. Not in my movie. Yeah. Which is an interesting like shit. effect, because it was one of those, like, I know the caliber of that gun would have blown his fucking head clean off at that range. But, like, okay, we'll just do the little clean 
dot right in the middle of his forehead, as opposed to like the massive impact wound that would have resulted from a 45 caliber slug hitting him in the head at a foot and a half away. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> Movies, man. Yeah, but we're, <laughs> the movie is trying to, uh, well, I guess, get like a, a not R rating. I had an R. Also, it's, it's R in the States, I'm pretty I sure. I don't know. It doesn't really matter yeah. either way. They probably also didn't want to ruin Skeet Ulrich's face, but all it's kind of ruined itself at this point. So whatever. So he was a like a thing for some girls. He totally was. I day. remember like, like the weirdest girls liked him. It was like everybody else yeah. liked Johnny Depp. <laughs> it's like fucking not yeah. Johnny Depp. That's basically what budget he is budget Johnny Depp. That's what I've always thought of. I've always thought of Skeet Ulrich that way. And I feel bad saying it. And I'm if, Skeet, if you're listening, it's all in good fun, buddy. Like I'm sure you've been in at least one movie that I liked. I don't know what, the, but it wasn't. Chill I don't factor. know what that movie is. Definitely was a chill factor. <laughs> Maybe it was, <laughs> and then it, it wasn't this one. Like you weren't good in this one either. So like, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. And that's from like famous Instagram artist Mark Wallet. Also, just want to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh Christ. man, odd uh, joke's not going to get old. Uh, I'm going to be using that one forever. Anyway, yeah. So like, that's basically uh, the end of the movie, right? Like everybody gets to have their little powwow. Yeah, we don't get to see Dewey again. I think he's dead. Like you're supposed to think he's dead, but like he shows up in the next movie like a champ just mm-hmm. you know whatever yeah he makes it through gail jamie and sydney, sydney are the ones who survive yeah. are the well the and the last, dad i guess the dad's the alive one. right like he yes he, has, yeah, he even have a line of dialogue in this movie i'm trying to remember like i think he says something at the beginning yes not in but at the end he does not yeah i was gonna say like he doesn't have any lines at all right like he falls out of the fucking closet and that's like a line almost like he has an action yeah and that's yeah. it like he does nothing He's literally bound and gagged, though. So I, I like. You think while well, she was hiding in the closet with him, because like they were in the same closet, I think, right? She would at least take yeah. his fucking mouth thing off and be like, "Hey, I'm gonna stab this guy," and he'd be like, "Hey, maybe we should just run the fuck away." Yeah, or like maybe if I'm untied, I could, you know, help help you, you. Take these guys yeah, down, these grown men I, out, because that guy's yeah. thirty two. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> what am i wrong no you're not wrong but like it it would have removed (laughs) the um the empowerment message of the final girl taking no and like and i know that's why they did it but it's just it's funny to me that like well i'm just gonna leave my dad tied up in here who's a grown man who could probably help me fight these two grown men but i'm gonna do it on my own with unconscious gale and stabbed dewey oh and jamie kennedy who's like just getting the shit kicked out of him and shot the poor prick like yeah fuck jamie kennedy but like you got you got the shit kicked out of at the end of this movie so <laughs> and that scream man we watched all of scream it was fun though yeah. i had a good time with it. it was i was i still fucking love this movie um, yeah I, like it's still like there's weirdness about it but oh, yeah. i still really enjoy watching it like i can throw it on and it's kind of like in that comfort movie level because i saw it so many times growing yeah. up that it's predictable to me but i like pointing out those moments that i enjoy yeah and like watching certain performances in this whole thing like basically watching the very quotable rose mcgowan yeah damn, sydney super bitch it's a delightful movie to watch even though it is like over the top gory and kind of and kind of it's smart and stupid at the same time yeah which is what i like about it yeah like, same there's, like i'm gonna watch it again like i that's not like i'm i'm like i'm bitching about it because i'm having a good time bitching about it basically because they mm-hmm. all look like they're 42 it's craziness yeah. but like i love it it's like it's a great movie in terms of like halloween like it's just one of those ones you throw on around this time of year because it's 
like a good slasher movie that you get yeah. a bunch of laughs. Like it's it's the kind of movie you put on with a group of people and just bullshit while you're watching it, basically, right? Yeah. It's it's just that kind of movie. And uh, I think it does that very well. Yeah, the movie's in on the joke with us. Like, yeah. there's something that where you're watching it, it's like, they don't, the people who made this obviously don't hate horror movies because it's fucking Wes Craven who made this movie. Yeah. Like, but they recognize the innate ridiculousness of it while still showing like, hey, we're making a solid film here yep. with following the same rules that we are making fun of there's a reason why this works and yeah. we're showing you this in this meta kind of way. And yeah. I, that's the brilliance of this movie. I think Yeah, agree. is that, yeah, it's like a genre enacting itself in like an Ouroboros eating its own tail kind of way. But yeah, like, absolutely. It's fucking, it's a great ride. Yeah. It's a fun ride. And like, I think it's one of those Halloween classics. Yeah. Like, I, like if you're doing a 30 days of horror, like you're going to put scream in there. Cause like, why wouldn't you? Right. First of all, everybody's mm-hmm. like super pretty and like, it's fun. And there's some pretty good, like, jumpy gore in here. Like, jumpy, there's good jump scares and there's good, like, kind of gore scenes in here. Like, just some nasty effects where people are gutted and stuff like that. I'm like, it's a good little, like, it's a good little horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. And considering Kevin Williamson shopped this movie around a long time, his, this script. Yeah. Like, a long time before it got made. You think he would have refined it a little bit more then? <laughs> Ouch. But yeah. Again, he certainly did think that kids spoke a certain way and yeah. he had an entire series after this where yeah it was very much that it was basically like one of those things like with dawson's creek where like i never i made fun of it incessantly and i never watched a whole episode of it it's the same with friends i have there's a bunch of 90s shows that are like super 90s that like i just didn't watch that now you're like wait how did you're like 90s guy how did you not watch that i'm like no i had taste back then too like i still like good things <laughs> Yeah. So, like, I'm not watching fucking Party of Five or what? Well, actually, I watched Party of Five because Nev Campbell and Jennifer Love Hewitt were in it, and I just wanted to yeah. watch them. Yeah. To be fair, to um, be fair, like Dawson's Creek did launch the career of Michelle Williams, so we got that out of it. Uh, it also launched the career of Katie Holmes. So, like, hmm. uh, yeah. Okay. So, fair enough. Both related to Batman movies in different ways. She was with he- she uh, was Michelle with Heath. Williams yes, with that's Heath, true. Uh, at, or for a while and then um, she, not and at he, the end and then katie holmes was not in that movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> which we Thank will talk God. about we will talk about soon because we are going to yeah. do that series very soon i would be remiss you know because james vanderbeek in uh don't trust the bitch in apartment 23 was fucking brilliant so like i can't I can't fault him for that best role like he that. ever had was in jane silent bob reboot he plays jay like he plays fake yeah. jay in jane silent oh yeah, bob yeah, fake jay. yeah and i think he's in actually you know what that's next week eh wednesday i think jane bob reboot comes out mm. yeah so i'm excited yeah that's pretty yeah exciting. yeah but, actually yeah. you know what's funny kevin smith uh jane silent bob are in scream 3 as jane silent bob like in universe oh yeah so technically these I movies are these movies are in the viewers universe i think or the, yeah. or the viewers universe exists in the scream universe also like yeah. it, it's a parallel universe where they exist but like jay and bob are in scream 3 yeah that's right, right. i forgot about like scream 3 is the one i remember the least because i yes. remember one and two very well and four i've seen recently uh, my pro- my problem with that is that i think the reason why i always think of that is because the there is the scene where they're making scream 3 in the jay and bob jay and silent bob strike back there's a scene where they're running through the movie sets and Wes Craven's on set. I think that might be the dude who's directing Goodwill Hunting 2 or Hunting Season or whatever the fuck. Gus Van Sant is sitting there counting his money. Yeah. But Wes Craven's also there, like directing Shannon Doherty. 
and she's like a fucking monkey and it's like the, from the giant bob that's what i think of a scream yeah. three was like the bit in jane silent bob strikes back right not right. actually scream three right so I, I should watch that one again because it's been a long time and it'd be fun to just be like oh look kev hasn't lost the weight yet <laughs> like he's still <laughs> like mid-90s kev so Good yeah, because yeah, Scream 3, I really don't... I think the killer ended up being her half-brother or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, they get real weird after this one. Like, the killers are all kinds of people. Plus, like, so they mention a guy who killed her, their mother who's, like, in jail, and they think it's illegitimate, right? Like, it's not... He's he's falsely accused. Yeah, Cotton like, Weary. Cotton, Cotton Weary, who shows up in the next movie and is fucking Lee Schreiber. And I'm like, right. all right, awesome. Like, I love Lee Schreiber. Good times. Like, yeah. hey, man, Sabretooth's here. Here we go. And like, he... And he's chasing after Sydney to like get a, an interview together, and then he like ends up helping her take down the murderer. So she's. I all, think like, he's in the second and third movie. Like I think he yeah, shows he back he's up in, in both movies, right? Yeah, like he, he yeah, shows he's up in, in the both. Third movie. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, that's cool casting because I really like Leif Schreiber. But I'm like, why do they? Why are they bringing this guy around so much? Like, if this girl falsely accused you of murder and she's like, fuck off, would you not just like? You know what? Maybe I should fuck off. Well, because he wants the he wanted the endorsement deal. He wanted the interview, but they That's wouldn't true. interview him without Sydney. That's and true. so the only reason that he saves her life at the end of Scream Two is because she agrees to do the fucking interview. That's right. Because, That's right. I gotta watch that movie. Like I said, man, I gotta watch this movie again. It's been a long time. Yeah, and then they kill Laurie from Roseanne, who is Billy's mother. Spoiler alert. That's right. Fucking. It's Jackie from Roseanne. Is it Laurie? Yeah, Laurie is Jackie Harris is played by Laurie Metcalf and he was a Laurie. Laurie Metcalf, there you go. Okay, good. Laurie Metcalf. Yeah. Okay. We've got that taken care of because yeah, Laurie Metcalf, what was she in that she was really fucking good at? Oh, she was in Lady Bird recently. That she oh, okay. played the mom in Lady Bird and she was really good. The last time I saw her, she used to play Sheldon's mom in Big Bang Theory in the early Ugh. seasons. And that's the, okay. only, that's the last thing I remember. <laughs> I just saw the YouTube videos where they remove the laugh track from Big Bang Theory and they just. <laughs> it's unwatchable, that show, without the laugh track. And like the show's <laughs> barely is. watchable with the laugh track. <laughs> it is. If you're watching it, like, oh, I already know this show is pretty terrible. And then they take the laugh track out and you just watch it in complete silence oh god it is like the, it's, it's so fucking good oh, anyway I, know. <laughs> I don't know how we got here but i don't I'm know glad that we did yeah man <laughs> let's, let's end this fucking episode yeah okay. let's uh, let's do geek cred okay yeah but let's just first of all rate scream because we're doing a review let's do it let's uh, rate scream. I give Scream, I, I definitely give Scream like an eight and a half mm. out of ten or something like that. Somewhere in like the high like sevens or eights yeah. kind of thing. Like seven and a half, eight, eight and a half kind of thing. It's like it's not a nine or a ten because like it would require not everybody to be 38 years old if it was going to be a better yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, that it, it probably doesn't really hurt it that much. It just takes me yeah. out of the movie. Uh, yeah, no, this is an eight and a half. I love this movie. I would watch it constantly. Like not constantly, but like every couple of years, like it comes on and I'm like, man, there's a lot of problems with this movie. But it's still like the best yeah. romp ever. And like I get to look at Rose McGowan and Nev Campbell and Drew Barrymore and like all these 38-year-old dudes who are wandering around this movie for some yeah. reason. And I'm like, all right, this is fun. Like I'm having a yeah. good time. Just having a yeah. good time. So like eight. Yeah, I, re- I highly recommend Scream. And especially if you haven't seen it, you should totally see Scream. It's yeah. great. I give it an 8.5 too because it's like it's it is of quality go. and it's fun. To, it's just fun. Just go fucking watch it. Like it's it's Halloween. Yeah, but man. add it to your queue of movies. Maybe put it at the beginning or at the end of whatever horror fest you're going to be doing because like the meta commentary mm-hmm. on it works either way. So like yeah, go for it. And let's yeah. do our uh, let's do our geek cred. Okay, so I get to tell you about my new Lord and Savior. He's a goose, <laughs> and. 
I need everybody to go out this weekend and on, you can play it on any platform. Go spend 20 bucks and get the Untitled Goose game by House House. You play as a goose who is harassing a small English village and you get into mischief, but you're a goose and you're a dick. And it's the greatest game that has ever been developed by mm-hmm. humans. So you should definitely go and play this game because it's fucking hysterical. Yeah. I untied a kid's shoes and then harassed him to the point where he fell over a curb and lost his glasses, which I then stole and made him wear a different pair of sunglasses because that's <laughs> on the to-do list that you have as this like, like evil devil goose, I yeah. guess. And that's what this game is, is. You are the devil in goose form. And it's yeah. amazing. No chaotic evil because like the devil has a plan yeah, I, <laughs> the goose just wants yeah, to watch the world burn. that's right you're right the goose is the joker in this fucking story <laughs> he just wants to watch the world yeah. burn but like oh man the shit you, they make you do your fucking like you got to go shopping so you got to distract the shopkeeper and like lock her in a garage and shit so you can steal produce from her stand and put it in a basket like it's Jesus. insane it's so much fun paul you have I to will. try this game so everybody go out this weekend it's a happy thanksgiving Go play the Untitled Goose King by House House. It is ridiculously fun. So that's my recommendation for this week. Is my new lord and savior, the Untitled Goose. All right. For me, my recommendation is not quite as... Well, it's not fun at all. Well, it is fun, but in like a drama, mystery, thriller kind of way. So my recommendation is the Korean film Parasite. This won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. And it's directed by Bong Joon-ho, who you might uh, know from, oh, he did Snowpiercer and Okja. I've heard good things about Snowpiercer. I gotta watch it. Yeah, Chris Evans is amazing in it. Tilda Swinton is insane in it, which I highly, yeah. Isn't Jennifer Connelly in that movie as well and is quite good in it? Or is that is not it, that one? No, I don't think. No, she's not in that one. This is the one where he's, uh, that's okay. the one where he's going through the train. Octavia Spencer's in it. John Hurt, Jamie Bell are in Snowpiercer. Okay. I had a swore I heard, I saw an interview with her being in this movie. Maybe she produced it. That might be it. She does a lot of producing yeah. these days, yeah. I guess. So. But Parasite is what we would call a class thriller where these what happens is a lower class Korean guy who's living in like a basement apartment with his whole family gets a chance to tutor a rich girl in English. He and the rest of his family start to like insidiously integrate themselves into the rich people's lives. His sister starts working with the family and then they slowly start getting rid of the help that already exists at this uh, family's house so that they can install the mother as the housekeeper and the father as the driver. And so this poorer Korean family starts living off of this rich family and it gets fucking weird and twisted by the end of the movie. It is very deserving of the accolades it's been getting. Bong Joon-ho is a really, really talented director and all of the performances are really good. So you should definitely check out Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. It's fucking great. And it's out on, you can stream it. If you're having trouble finding it because there is a Japanese manga anime movie called Parasite as well. The Korean name is Gi Sang Chung. But yeah, if you just look par- That's going to help a North yeah, American audience. Just look at Parasite Korean movie 2019 and you should be able to find it. It's fucking good. And I think it might be out in theaters in North America soon. Is it a Korean language movie? It is. It's subtitled in English. So I don't mind a subtitle movie. I'll watch it. I just I I know some people get thrown by subtitles and stuff. So I wanted to clarify before we go. 
sending people to watch a subtitle movie and they start yelling at us. All right. So thank you for listening to our podcast this week. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, which you can do via any podcasting app you prefer on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you like our podcast, please give us a good rating because we appreciate it. If you don't like our podcast... Um, please don't then. Just, don't give it any rating. Just don't. Yeah. Just don't. Just don't. Just fine. It's fine. But if you have anything you'd like to talk about, if you have any favorite horror movies, or if you want to talk about Scream and how good it is, or if you fucking hated it, tell us yeah. on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. You can get us at Twitter at DRD underscore podcast or email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. So thanks for listening. I've been Paul from South Korea and I've been joined by my brother, famous Instagram artist Mark Willette. That's me, MT underscore Willette. So MT underscore O-U-E-L-L-E-T-T-E on Instagram. Follow yeah. and like stuff. Follow, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Do, yeah. <laughs> do it anyway. No, seriously, do do that. I'm just not, I'm not a dick about it. I don't really care that much. Well, I do care, but yeah. I'm trying to be chill. I'm trying to be chill. Yeah. I did talk just to Michelle Millette this week. So like, hey guys, that's Shit. pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So thanks again for joining us and have a great week, guys.